Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. Holy shit. Warn. Human Work LP is officially out everywhere, and I'm so stoked. I'm seeing so much support on all social media, people reposting it and talking about their favorite tracks from the record. It's super awesome, and I'm so proud of everybody in Warren for working so hard on that album and From Within Records for teaming up with them and putting it out. So like I always say, if you're not following From Within Records on social media, go boot up your Twitter, your Instagram, and hit that follow button to stay up to date with everything they have going on. Such an awesome record label, and I'm stoked to always support them, have a great working relationship with them. So shout out to From Within Records. Support them because they support us. Also, the infamous Streets of Hate, March 16th, Pain of Truth, Age of Apocalypse split coming out, and it's going to be so sick. Uh, If you guys haven't pre-ordered a copy yet, please head over to the big cartel and do yourself a favor and get one before it's too late. Um, I'm just waiting for the merch to drop. If I'm being honest, trying to cop some new merch, maybe a shirt or a hoodie. Um, Streets hate. If you're listening, please put out something awesome. But March 16th, it's going to be such an awesome day. I'm always down for new music. Uh, Pain of truth, their debut record, uh, you know, still has me hooked to this day. I, I still bump it front to back age of apocalypse killing it on the one team unity comp that track was amazing so i'm looking forward to hearing new music from them so get ready march 16th we're just about uh a week and a half away until it goes live so please get your pre-orders in and support streets of hate like i always say uh nicole and alex always working hard and doing great things out of new york so shout out streets of hate on today's episode Another MMA episode, some of my more favorite ones. I'm just a, a sucker. I, I could talk MMA all day. And uh, Nate and Jeff and I just got together again, the the MMA crew, just to chop it up about UFC 259. Uh, it's a pretty historic card. It's not too often. We see uh, three title fights on one card. And on paper, it's supposed to be an exciting card. But we've seen this before where... You get a stacked card, and it's supposed to be amazing from top to bottom, and it turns out to be a dud. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, put any curses or any you know bad vibes out there. I'm hoping it's amazing from top to bottom, but I'm just, uh, just not completely sold because I I know how this goes. I've seen it time and time again where we're supposed to have these um, amazing fights, uh, you know, front to back, and uh, they don't always play play out that way. So nothing's guaranteed, but I'm excited either way. I, I'm going to be here on Saturday. Uh, just watching the card. I, I'm, I'm really hoping to see um, Israel Adesanya make history. Uh, don't want to get in too detail into why I'm picking him. Just uh, you know, listen to the episode. But but it's going to be a fun one. There's, there's a lot of great fights. Dominic Cruz coming back. Um, he's had a a weird fight. That last one against Senor, excuse me, against Sen- Henry Cejudo, if, God, if I can get that right, um, just still has me uh, just a little sour. I, and I'm a fan of both fighters, but I just feel like uh, – Dominic got the shit end of that stick, but uh, we'll save that for another day. But uh, I hope you guys are excited. Like I said, it's uh, not that often we get three title fights on one card, and obviously UFC is pumping a lot into this because if you look at the the early prelims, you got some big names on there. But I hope you guys seriously tune in uh, for the pay-per-view. It's going to be amazing, Uh, but please strap in, enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, welcome Nate and Jeff to the show.
All right, we're live. Welcome back to the podcast, Nate and Jeff. UFC 259 is upon us. How are you guys doing? Fucking outstanding. I am giddy with excitement. This is probably the best main card I've seen in a really long time, and I can't wait. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing pretty fucking good. No, just because they're gonna do the video. <laughs> That's funny. It's like that one meme where you always see that guy who had the UFC like on his forehead and stuff. He's all fucking drunk just at the UFC event, like going, "Oh yeah." It's my worst That's a real nightmare. thing, dude. dude. I, I went to a UFC event one time. Uh, it was Cain Velasquez versus Ngannou, and shitload of those motherfuckers there. I hate it. I, I hate the fan base. Like whenever I'd go watch it in a random bar, when Nate and I went and watched Amanda Nunes, uh, you know, beat up Cyborg, I, I, I hate it. I, I wish the audience or I, I want to be at a UFC where the audience is actually hip to the sport and knows like the ground game and um, all aspects of it, not just there to get drunk and to see a knockout. Okay, so I, I have a question then. In recent memory, we'll, we'll say going back a few years, what's your most memorably good experience in terms of watching a UFC card with an audience? If, well, if you had any at all. Yeah. Oh, I think me and Jamie probably have the same one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go for it, Jamie. see. For me, it was just uh, the energy when Amanda knocked out Cyborg. Because yeah, honestly, 100%. I was rooting for Cyborg. Just to be clear, I, I thought Cyborg was going to beat Amanda. This you know matchup um, had been talked about for a really long time, uh, and when it finally happened, I was like, okay, Cyborg seems unstoppable. Uh, I can't see her losing, so let me root for Cyborg. And I remember we were sitting there, and as soon as she started getting socked up, the whole arena was like screaming, and I was like, oh my, mind blown! It was like Nate and I were on our feet, just freaking out. Yeah, it was nuts. It was a crazy. I mean, just because I mean. Even the Rogan, like when you're listening like back to it, because we couldn't hear, you know, the commentary when you're watching it. You used to be able to get like these little radios where you could tune in. Oh, so you guys were really... like there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were there we, when uh, uh, Nunez knocked out Cyborg. And that was the same, uh, the rematch between Jones and Gustafsson. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Jones just decimated Gustafsson. But it wasn't as crazy as seeing, nu- you know, Nunez knock out Cyborg like, dude. That was like the most explosive I've ever like heard like a crowd, but it's just like literally how Rogan was during that, where he's like, ah, just wicked. Like he couldn't even speak; he was just screaming. You know, like that's how that's how everyone was because it was just so nuts. It was it was yeah. fun though. That's yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, it was wild. And then what they- about you? That was the Cain Velasquez, right? Well, or- I I wasn't necessarily referencing like you're in the crowd. I was oh, more okay. so thing like there's a lot of people around. You're watching a fight. Could be a pay-per-view. Um, I think the craziest scenario that I have encountered, it was Diaz versus McGregor one. I was actually at chain reaction one the night of that fight. And I thought I was going to end up having to miss it. Right. And it, we were there, we were there to see set your goals. So when we get there, there, I run into a friend of mine who actually works there and he's a listener of this podcast. His name's Max. And he was able to get us like, I guess you would call it like a backstage area, but like 
that little room kind of towards the side. Jamie, I don't know if you've been there at Chain Reaction where like the bands chill. Yeah, it's by the, and, the sound area, right? Yeah. Well, they had the UFC fight going and he was able to get us to sneak back in there. And it was me, him, set your goals. And I don't even know these dudes like at all. So we were kind of like a fly on the wall and then like a bunch of their friends. And we watched uh, Diaz versus McGregor one. And it was just fucking insane. Once Diaz started to turn around and then ended up choking him out, it was bonkers. It was super cool. That was a classic fight. So that's mine. Kind of random. I think in terms of like that kind of crowd, when I, I went to see um, Holly Holm versus uh, Ronda Rousey at a casino, and um, they had it on the projector, like on the wall, like a projector. And like, there's a ton of people watching. And everyone was like, "Yeah, Rousey's gonna win," you know. <clears throat> so as soon as she got yeah KO'd, it was just like that was the first time everyone like was literally like, "Holy!" I think Jamie even called me because it was just so wild. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was just, <laughs> he's yeah. called me out a few times. <laughs> yeah, where it's just been a reaction like, "Holy hell!" Yeah, that night I was in Brea. I was um, upstairs at the Buffalo Wild Wings, and Ronda Rousey gets head kicked. I'm like in disbelief because, uh, you know, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, I wasn't really sold on Holly Holm. You know, they were, kept talking about her, her boxing skills. Obviously, she's a talented boxer. But I was like, Ronda's just going to, you know, armbar. Let's, you know, let's keep it moving. But as soon as she got head kick knocked out, I was just like, I, I'm I'm just like so in, in disbelief. I would literally just walk straight to the elevator. And as it was um, going down, I called Nate and I'm like walking through the parking lot to get to my car. And I'm like telling Nate, like, holy shit, I can't believe what just happened. I didn't even wait for the decision because I was just like legit kind of bummed because I'm I'm there rocking my Ronda Rousey gear and it was it was a crazy night, dude. I was I was pulling for Ronda on that fight too. Mm-hmm. Leading leading into that, I felt that uh, I felt that home was overall just like not that good and kind of disappointing because her previous fights were just like kind of boring decisions, right? And like you, I thought. Rousey was just going to get her in a judo throw or something and then armbar her in the first round. I wasn't expecting her to get her fucking head kicked off. But uh, I know a guy who put down, I think, like 1500 bucks on home for that fight and made a killing. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. That's like we're going for Megan Anderson on this card. You make some good, you know, you can make some good money. And honestly, she's a big, you know, Puncher's chance. You never know. No. Dude, I think she's a live dog, man. You know, Nunes needs to watch for Megan's toes. Remember when Megan <laughs> got that victory with that freaking toe in the eye? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's some sneaky shit. We were there for that, too. Right? Wasn't that on the same? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, with, when Nunes knocked out. <laughs> yeah, the same car. That's funny. Yeah, I remember we were all excited for that. And then we were like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. You got a toe <laughs> in the eye. But... Um, one other like kind of memorable and then i guess we can move on one memorable fight that we saw was uh when kelvin gaslam beats uriah hall to win the ultimate fighter Mm -hmm. uh me and a couple of my friends were watching that outside of a buffalo wild wings like in our mall and it was just hundreds of people had congregated to watch it on the little tv and it was absolute pandemonium when he won it was fucking crazy it was very cool yeah, and just yeah. just to clarify, that was in Yuma, where he's from. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. It was <laughs> that's wild. Okay, I guess we can start at the 
early prelims because there's uh, some good fights. There's uh, Izzy's training partner. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys saw him on uh, Dana, uh, excuse me, Dana White's contender series, the guy uh, Carlos um, Olberg. Uh, I, I didn't see him out there. Line. Yeah. I, I probably watched it, but I, I don't. He's I don't a looks super fit. Obviously, they're all athletes, whatever. But this guy looks a, like a legit two hundred fiver. And Izzy is always. And, and if you watch the countdowns leading up to um, USC two fifty nine, um, you'll see him in the footage. And uh, Izzy's always saying, "Oh, he's the future champ of uh, two hundred five. So um, he has a lot of promise. Uh, so I highly suggest. Still pretty fresh, three and zero. Yeah, he, he's uh, uh, newer to the sport, but um, like he's just like one of those guys who just has it, and especially so early on to have these kind of skills. Um, he only has like you know like a lot of room to grow and he's growing really fast. So I'm not sure who uh, Kennedy uh, Nezcheku and I totally messed up his name. Sorry. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with him, but I think this is one of the situations where they're trying to push this Carlos Olberg guy. Cause he, he looks like he could be a superstar. You yeah, I mean, just look at Israel, you know, I mean, you're just, it's just like anything uh, when you're associated with someone, especially someone very successful and they consider you very good or very talented in their own right it just kind of trickles down to you as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of pressure associated with that too. You, you got to think too, if he's training with Israel Adesanya on a daily, he has to be getting good, right? Like there's no way you could be shitty and be a quality training partner for Israel Adesanya. So I'm pretty intrigued by it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he, he's getting that rub. But uh, Nate, you're 100% right when, when you talk about pressure. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, one of Daniel Cormier's protégés, that uh, Duran Wynn guy. He yeah. had a lot of promise uh, fighting at 185, which to me, he always looked undersized, but he insisted on saying that weight class. But uh, people were high on him, um, calling him mini DC, even though he didn't want that. And people thought he was going to go a long way, but you saw um, how he had it. Like he was struggling against uh, that Gerald um, Mearshart guy that got yeah. KO'd by uh, Kamzat, who we'll get to later on. Uh, so there is a lot of pressure on uh, Carlos Olberg, and I, I hope he's able to overcome it and have success in the UFC because uh, the UFC light heavyweight division is starting to get back to the way it used to be, like more exciting, more contenders. So I'm, I'm happy to see some new blood in the division. Yeah. And what? then uh, above that's flyweight Tim Elliott still chugging along versus uh, Jordan Espinosa. Man, Tim Elliott, I, I feel like a super talented guy. Obviously, he got that that title shot from winning the Ultimate Fighter, which I, I I'm so surprised that they did because you think about uh, you know Demetrius Johnson at the time, super good uh, defending his belt like crazy, but obviously the show they brought in champions from a bunch of um, regional circuit uh, you know yeah. organizations, and Tim Elliott won. But um, outside of I'm losing that fight, I had a, a lot of high hopes for him because I, I saw the skills that he had. But it just seems uh, he's just really inconsistent, especially like obviously he won his last fight. But before that, he was on a three fight losing streak against some talented guys. Uh, you know, the current champ, Figueredo, Brandon Roval and uh, Askar uh, Askarov, who's actually fighting on this card. So um, he just has a rough go. Yeah. And the guy he's fighting, Jordan Espinosa, I mean, pretty similar in terms of record. He's 24 and 8. Um, Tim Elliott's 28. They have 25, like, <laughs> well, actually 16 and 11. So his record of 28 fights total, he has one draw. Yeah, it's, getting, so then, it's getting kind of salty. I feel like at that point, when you're, you know, uh, win loss ratio is that bad, you might want to try to figure out something else. 
Yeah, you do it for so long, and you take so much damage. Right now, he's ranked number 12. So, I mean, uh, I, it's kind of that situation that we always talk about where they're trying to set up someone else to, you know, keep moving up the ranks. I think the, they're hoping maybe Espinosa keep going forward, but I don't know, Tamela, he's a good, you know, he might rely on grappling, might be able to edge out a decision. Who knows, you know? Yeah. But I don't, I don't know enough about Espinosa to really say one way or the other, but seems like a pretty uh, fair matchup on paper, at least. Seems like it's a little filler. Like, okay, let's throw this here, obviously. You know what's crazy? The the early prelims on uh, UFC Fight Pass has six fights. Usually it has like one or two. Like, this has six fights. <laughs> like, And that, that they still have the regular prelims, too, which is only four, which is even weirder than me. <laughs> Well, the UFC is just probably like, we got to run these contracts. We got to, you know, cut these people. We, we, we needed to get rid of 60, and we haven't reached that goal yet. So, um, you know. Yeah, they just I, got rid of some big names, too. I think they're expecting an increase in viewership because there's three title fights, and they want to fully capitalize on it. So they're trying to really make the undercards a little more exciting and a little more dense than normal. So hopefully they can put people over for future cards. Yeah. I mean, there's a few people that have really come out of the woodworks from like these uh, pandemic fight, you know, shows yeah. like like uh, Roy Vall is, you know, we mentioned him earlier. Like he like came out of nowhere and just completely like wowed everyone. Like he had some great he's had some really exciting fights. I'm actually looking forward to seeing more of his fights. The person yeah. who's um, stuck out to me, uh, sorry, Jeff, the person who stuck out to me during this whole like, um, you know, fight island um, pandemic fights, um, who I didn't like at first uh, was uh, Kevin Holland. I've, yeah. I've grown to like him. If, if you haven't listened to his episode on Joe Rogan, it's him and his uh, jujitsu coach, Travis Luter, uh, great personality, talented fighter. And I'm curious to see how far he can make it in the, the division. Yeah, he's really impressive. I agree with that 100%. And that that episode was pretty eye-opening in terms of his training habits. Like it kind of blew me away how not serious he's been taking it or supposedly based off of what he was saying. But I definitely, I mean, at first I didn't like him. I thought, I don't want to say like Dana White, but I didn't like the whole talking when he was fighting. It felt like super corny mm -hmm. to me, like the way he was going about it. But winning five fights in a calendar year is pretty impressive. And then... I, I, I liked the episode of Rogan. I Getting to actually kind of know about him on a personal level was kind of cool. And I didn't even realize he was a Travis Luter protege. Luter's badass. People forget how close he came to beating Anderson Silva in his prime. I think if Luter didn't have such a ridiculous weight cut, that fight would have gone completely different. Yeah. He, and, I'm, and I'm a Silva fan. You're a Silva fan. I, I've grown to not like Anderson Silva. I don't know if it's just like hindsight or... Uh, you know, because he was so invincible until he ran into Chris Weidman. And yeah, he got that decision win over uh, Derek Brunson, which was controversial in my opinion. I thought Brunson won that fight. But he, like, after Weidman, it just hasn't been good for him. And that sucks. And obviously, with like, you know, Usada coming in, and I'm just like, was yeah. he on something? Was it like one of the goats, uh, uh, you know, always on PEDs? And I know it was like more of a thing back then, but I never wanted to attribute to Silva being on PEDs because if you looked at his um, his physique, he wasn't super ripped, 
or, or anything yeah. like that. So I would have never guessed. But, you know, when he had that big controversy with his dick pill situation, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And then seeing how his, uh, the rest of his career played out. And obviously he's probably still going to um, keep fighting, but he just was never the same. And I get it. Obviously, with the the leg break, that, that would make sense. But even after it healed and it was like stronger than ever, he just was never able to really perform like he used to. Yeah, I agree with that. Um from a selfish standpoint, I wish he never would have come back after a leg break. I feel like he could really have preserved a lot of his legacy. Um, even even though he was he would have technically technically been going out on two losses, I think there's a lot that he could have preserved. But I could be wrong, but I feel like a he was trying to get more money, obviously because he's a well he's a well paid athlete. And B, I feel like he was fighting a lot of fighters that he wanted to put over for the next generation. Like he really put over Israel Adesanya for one. And in a way he even helped put over Michael Bisping after, after Bisping got that win over him, he got a title shot shortly after that. Yeah. And, and Bisping had been wanting that fight for a really long time. He even wanted yeah. to fight Silva when he was in his prime before the wide losses. And I, I thought that was like, um, you know, Admiral Bisbing, and it shows what kind of a, a fighter he re- he really is. He's the legit, you know, he's not all talk. He's willing to take these fights, uh, you know, lost the title, went straight to China, was willing to fight whoever, whenever. And yeah. th- th- that's one thing that I really respect about Michael Bisbing. I was hoping that he would get to beat up Jake Paul, but we got Ben Asker <laughs> instead. Hey, yeah. Oh, okay, man. Ben Asker. I honestly, I don't mind jake paul boxing bringing eyes to the sport of boxing but i I just want to get to a point where it's not like a like kind of like a freak show kind of thing because i'm watching these like cringe videos of him trying to call out canelo and i'm just like dude you're not on that level you like you know (laughs) if you got there with canelo you wouldn't last a single round with him so i'm just like i'm like i get it like you're trying to bring uh, more eyes to your fight which is fine but i I just want to get to a point where he's just recognized as a professional boxer and not some youtube guy who's boxing so uh the integrity of boxing can just kind of return to normal and we can focus on the rest of the professional fighters there's so many good fighters out there and obviously um because of his youtube fame he's bringing in like way more eyes and selling way more pay-per-views which is totally fine but I'm just I I just don't want boxing to turn into any more of a shit show because it, it's really muddy over there. Oh yeah, you know what's crazy? I don't know if it's confirmed at this point, but I've been seeing that the main undercard for that is going to be a Teofimo Lopez fight, and that's the guy who beat Lomachenko mm-hmm. like a couple months ago. So you could argue that yeah it's super freak show that you got fucking Jake Paul fighting Ben Askren in a boxing match but there's a chance that maybe this would bring new eyeballs to boxing that never would have seen it before and they're going to get the chance to see a guy like Tia Tiafima Lopez fight that they never would have before you know so maybe it could be a good thing but yeah so it's, it's kind of freak show shit yeah you, know, you see Frank Mir is going to fight on that that's what I was going to bring up I'm like uh, Frank Mir fighting <laughs> Uh, Antonio Tarver. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's saying even Mir kind of admitted it might be like a midlife crisis thing, but when it's just boxing, I mean, might do okay. Yeah. But yeah, that, no. That's yeah, so what, sad, though. Uh, what does Tarver even look like now? He's got to be pushing 60. I don't know, man, because he didn't have a, a successful career in, uh, was it Bellator, right? He went to Bellator after, um, after UFC, which I didn't even know that. He probably got grapple fucked. 
And I don't know, man. It, it's just a bummer when you look at Frank Mir, somebody who um, had uh, achieved a championship level in the UFC, uh, legendary fighter, and he's out here saying, you know, um, for what you said, Nate, I'm um, like some sort of midlife crisis thing, like a cash grab. I was like, man, dude, that's why I, I wish these guys would just either be smarter with their money or get paid more because I'm not sure how much he made, but it, it just sucks to hear somebody like Frank Mir, who like he's so popular and like I said, just like a legend of the sport to to, to do something like that is just such a bummer, man. You got to yeah. think he's going to get pieced up in that fight. I don't think it's going to be good. Tarver has, if Tarver has any bit of what he was, you got to think he's going to put Frank Mir away. Yeah. And that'd be a good payday though. You know, so it's like, but He's getting his ass kicked in Bellator, you know, at the end, tells from the UFC, probably for less than he's going to make on this. So, yeah. But then I'm going to hate that narrative. Oh, you know, uh, boxer versus MMA, MMA guy yeah. got his ass beat. I was like, no, like that's Frank Mir, who's way past his prime, who definitely should not be fighting. He should just go home, be a family man, go train your daughter. Cause I know his uh, daughter uh, fought or fights mixed martial arts. Uh, like don't do this. And I don't know, yeah. but if he needs the money, I, I whatever, I, I guess um, do what you got to do, but it just sucks. Cause it, 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 and I'm such a fan of MMA and we all know that MMA fighters are way more talented than boxers. So let's be honest when it comes 100%. to, when it, when it comes to actual, just fighting, obviously not sure. boxing. So, I, I actually don't want that narrative to be pushed in front of my face because that, that would just be so annoying. I'm I'm going to even say that MMA as a whole is light years ahead of boxing in terms of coolness. Like, I think a good example of that would be this Canelo fight that just happened where mm-hmm. he fought that tomato can and just kind of fucking beat his ass in like three rounds. I, if I'm not mistaken, he like had to fight that guy. Like he didn't have a choice, right? Like there was something contractually that said he had to do that. Where in MMA, you're not going to see too many mismatches like that. You're going to see the number two and the number three guy face each other. And it's not going to be a title fight. Like there's way more tough matchups that, or at least in the UFC, there's yeah. way more tough matchups that happen. Where Unless you're Kamzat. That's the only one where they kind of <laughs> leapfrog that theory. Well, they, they they gave him Leon Edwards, and I don't I don't think Kamzat was going to win that fight. Yeah, but, I don't think, yeah. No, but, uh, but I think they're doing the re- reverse, Nate. They're giving this yeah. kind of nobody these talented fighters, and he's running through them. Um, I don't think that. Um, in, in boxing, they they pad their records because you know when, when they finally step up to the you know the, the the big show when they're fighting these title fights, all the boxers are like you know twenty and 0, 30 and zero, and that's uh, way more common because they're getting these um, easy fights. But when you look at UFC, it, it's way more rare to have an undefeated fighter with that kind of record. Uh, you know, twenty and zero, Izzy, um, uh, could be twenty nine and zero. Um, who else? Yeah. I, I can't think of anybody else who's uh, like in the twenties with a zero loss, uh, zero, um, you know, no contest, or excuse me, um, with a loss or no contest. So it's just like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's harder. Yeah. It is a lot harder. But also, because MMA, you know, they got submissions, they got grappling. They, I mean, there's so many th- more things to, but you know, think about. To to be fair, not to completely shit on boxing losses mean way more in boxing than they do in MMA because uh, yes. y- you can have a couple losses and people be like, all right, cool. Like we understand that um, not everybody's going to be perfect and it's not the end of the world. There's still great fighters that have losses versus boxing. You get a loss or two. It's like game over. Where's the next superstar? Yep. I would even argue that a lot of the fuckery in boxing in terms of like matchups and like there's a million different belts and all these different divisions and stuff like that. I think the reason boxers get paid so much money, especially more than, you know, your average MMA fighter 
is because boxing is that way. So I don't think there's ever going to be any kind of a change in that regard. For sure. Yeah. It's fine. I, I'm not like the biggest boxing fan. Like I, I try to stay up to date with what's going on with the the champions and um, like the ranked fighters, but I'm not out there watching like regional stuff like MMA. So I'm a, yeah. I'm, no, I'm more of a I casual like, boxing fan. What but, are you saying, uh, Jeff? Speaking of uh, people in Israel, uh, Sonny, you got your boy Kai Car France coming back too versus. Uh, I can't say it. <laughs> I'm like, it was like the last part. I'm like, Bantorin? Just, like, just try it. It's Rogerio. Rogerio Bantorin. There you go. That's that. I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> All right. Well, they're definitely trying to give a win to Kai Car France. Like, Obviously, it's just yeah. They're they're, they're trying to have uh, city kickboxing go three and zero because you got the Carl's Alberg, Kai Car France, and Israel. So yeah, they're trying to set, set them up to do because I think like the last three cards that they all fought together, it's all been three and zero. Yeah. Well, then uh, Kai Car France loses his last fight. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about when they all fought on the same card together. So. Oh, okay, yeah. Um. So. But yeah. Uh, Kaikar France, a talented fighter. I I would like to see him win because I love what they're doing out there with city, city kickboxing, but uh, both these fighters are coming off losses. Kaikar France just lost to uh, Brandon Roy Val. Uh, yeah. Rogerio lost to Ray Borg, which um, I, I, I like Ray Borg. Uh, you know, crazy story, but is, is he still in the UFC? I, I can't remember. Yeah, he, uh, Ray Borg. Man. Okay. Just so many fighters. That I'm, and he's somebody who I haven't thought about in a minute. So like, is, is he still in the UFC or, or did he get cut? But I think actually a few flyweights on this card too. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. He fought Ricky in a really close fight. It had to have been maybe six months ago. Yeah, maybe I'm just tripping. I see his name and and like like these weird signals go off. Like where is Ray Borg? <laughs> what, what happened there, boy? Ray Borg. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. He, he fought um, Ricky Simone uh, in May of last year. Lost the decision, split decision. That was a close fight, though. Yeah. Ray Borg's talented, dude. I love that. Ricky Simone, he's so talented. His last fight was insane. Yeah. So, speaking of insane fights, I think that Song Yadong versus Kyler Phillips is one of the sleeper fights on this card. I think that fight's going to be fucking bananas. Have you guys ever seen Kyler Phillips fight? No, I was going to ask you um, to fill me in because I'm unfamiliar. It extremely flashy mm-hmm. like very good striking he's got pretty good grappling um they call him the his nickname's like the matrix okay. because okay. of the way he goes about it and it's gonna be awesome i i don't know who's gonna win i kind of i kind of think uh song Yudong is gonna win like that's who i'm pulling for as a favorite in this fight but i'm not counting phillips out of it he's super flashy and very exciting yeah, that's a good fight. Even the, I mean, they were really pushing Song because of that uh, KO win he had in his last outing. I mean, when you see any of the previews for this pay-per-view, that's one of the things that they showcase. So it's going to be, hopefully, I mean, you can keep chugging along, but it sounds like while you explain Phillips, he might have a little more to handle than, you know, maybe people are giving him credit for. But I'm yeah, curious. No. Are, are you into Phillips because you're biased of Arizona? No. And 
In fact, until I saw his last fight and I didn't even know who he was. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that he fought out of Arizona. And it was just, to me, wildly impressive and exciting. And I think he's got a big future. All right. Well, you know me. I always got to root for my brethren. So shout out Song Yudong. I'm, I'm picking him to win. Yeah. Wait, no. also, uh, oh, no. Song Yudong is absolutely my pick. But I think Kyler Phillips absolutely has a chance at it. Okay. We skipped a fight, though. Yeah, I was going to say, we, gonna we say, skipped our boy, Joseph Benavidez, coming back after his uh, failed title attempt, he, which, yeah, well, back to back title attempts. But um, well, how he, do you think? I mean, it's, I don't know. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. He's going to get knocked out. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I've never not rooted for Joey B, except for when he fought against Dominic Cruz, because Dominic Cruz is my boy. Uh, but Joey B. I don't even want him to take this fight. This guy that he's fighting, the Askar Askarov, dude's insane. And yeah. it's just, it's, I don't, I'm so scared for him. And normally he's always like right there, number one, number two in the rankings, super talented. But when you look at this guy coming out of Dagestan, 12 and 0, uh, it's like, like he's not like a, you know, super crazy knockout artist. Obviously, the last two fights, decision, but I just don't like this look for Joey B. It, like the tail end of his career. I feel like he's more susceptible to knockouts and this guy's just yeah. going to be all over him. And uh, I just don't like it, man. And it sucks because um, he's such a likable guy. Obviously the, the UFC um, favors him a lot, but to, to put him against somebody like this 12 and 0 and um, obviously there's not too many matches for Joey B since he's so talented. He's beat a lot of the, um, you know, more higher ranked fighters, but it's just like, damn, it, it's just such a bummer to me because I think he's going to get wrecked. Like I was saying, man, there's no, you don't really see too many easy fights in the UFC. And I think this is a big example. Um, I want Benavides to win 100%. He's one of the most likable fighters in existence. Um, but he got fucked up pretty bad in those yeah. fights. And he already has like a lot of mileage on him. So I don't like his chances that much. Okay. Yeah. Here's a scenario. Joey B goes out there, beats Asker, Askarov. Then what? Where, where where does he go from there? I think he retires. To be honest, I think that's more of the thing. Is just I because he kind of seemed like he was like, "What's my motivation to fight?" Because I'm not going to be able to fight for a title again. That's like kind of the conclusion he's come to. Mm-hmm. So I think for him, it's probably more. I need to get a win before I you know hang it up, or at least not like a clear cut like knockout or like submission like if he let's say he loses edges out by like a split decision or something i think he'd probably be like obviously i'm you know i didn't get i didn't get the win but you know i think it's time to move on i wouldn't be surprised even if he got ko'd in here if he retires i think this might be one of his last fights Uh, it's it's such a bummer that he's probably uh is he the greatest ufc fighter to never get a title so uh, far, ooh, that's a loaded question. Because for me, for, for the longest time, it was um, a toss up between Faber and Bisbing. But then Bisbing obviously got over that hump, knocked out Luke Rockhold. But you look at Uriah Faber, he's had how many? I can't even remember how many title fights that he's had, but never uh, got that championship, which is such a bummer because he was such a pioneer in the sport, uh, you know, back when he was fighting in, uh, you know, Tachi Palace and WEC. But yeah. to, but for to see Joey B, you know, fighting Bantamweight, then 
them opening up this new division of highway and, and seeing him down there with the tournament and just being such a pioneer for that division for the UFC. But for him to never reach the title, man, it sucks because he has gone through a lot of the top competitions. But when he gets there against the the Mighty Mouse, against the Figueredos, it just he always cracks and it sucks. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Ray Borg, he was uh, let go. That's why you had that oh, he was. spidey sense about him. He like wa- from the UFC, he's not in the UFC anymore. Okay, that's why I hadn't heard from him for a while. Where where'd he go? He hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't um, done anything. So he's just that's, one of the people that got cut then? Yeah. Fuck, that sucks. There's not too many regional shit you know, going on. Although, things are starting to open up again. Texas going full bore. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing these more regional events start popping up again. Uh, j- just curious, did any of you guys watch the press conference earlier today? Yeah. I watched like the first 10 minutes of it, and then I ended up not catching the rest. I, I found it interesting because it, it was um uh, I forget which journalist was it Mark um uh, I I always forget his last name it starts with an R he asked Dana White about Texas because the governor uh, of Texas said that they're opening up uh, no more mask mandate but obviously um, when you bring you break it down to the, the different cities like their mayors have like uh, you know more say but w- whatever but uh, it, was, it was interesting where Dana White mentioned that um was it uh. Dallas turned them down. Yeah, Dallas turned them down, but he's working with Houston. Yeah, and then now he's going to Houston. I'm like, that's that's insane that they're already making those moves. Like like the day after that announcement, UFC's like, boom, like let's go. And he was talking about how um he would have even loved to move this card to to Texas um, to have it in the stadium with fans. And um Dana White's like really looking to 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 push for that and to fill some sort of arena with with a show, which I think is. Uh, wild and cool but um you know i feel like they're smart enough to to know and how to do everything right because they're the pioneers of fighting through the pandemic so i'm really curious to see yep. how this plays out i'm i'm optimistic that it's going to be done in a safe i mean as safe as you can manner um i'm not surprised at all that he's going in that direction especially considered considering how uh proactive he was even in the beginning of the pandemic about trying to save like i think ufc only missed what like one or two cards and then the fight island happened and then they were getting fights in florida like we really didn't miss much with ufc other than maybe like a month and a half and i think this is going to be no different i think they're going to find a way for it to still be safe for fans and i'm interested to see how it pans out honestly okay uh Here's a, a scenario. You guys, uh, you know, get a little break from work on vacation. You guys have the opportunity to go to Dallas to see a UFC live right now during the pandemic. Would you guys go? I'm there. Absolutely. I, I could wear a mask if I wanted, but I'm also talking because I have my first vaccination shot already and I'm going to get the second one in like two or three weeks. Oh. So I'm a little biased in that regard. Which yeah. One, which one did you get? I'm curious. Uh the Moderna. Was that the one where people are getting superpowers? Can't tell. Yeah. Like, oh, wishes. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't go to an event until I was vaccinated myself. I just wouldn't want to put anyone else around me in risk for that. So I wouldn't go until I got vaccinated, which I haven't yet. So and, and wait, for, wait, wait. This is coming from Nate, who has survived. The Las Vegas Strip. He's come into contact with super spreaders, and he has not gotten sick. Uh, so I'm surprised by that answer. I, I thought you would be all about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I got family in Texas and everything, but you know, it's not just me. Maybe if I was living on my own, it'd be a different story. Okay. Yeah. Fair. I, I should also specify that everybody that I immediately live with and work with are also vaccinated. Okay. So obviously not everybody has that kind of, I guess we'll call it a privilege at this point. Mm-hmm. And by no means am I like an anti-masker or anything like that. It's just, I feel like I'm healthy enough and everyone around me has the vaccine. And I feel like if I went to an event like that and wore a mask or took some precautions that there's a good likelihood that I'm not going to spread anything to anybody else. So yeah. I would be doing my due diligence as an audience member to be safe. Um, I don't think that's going to go for the your average Texan UFC fan, though. Oh, for sure. So yeah. it's kind of it's kind of dicey. They're going to look at you like, look at this coward with his mask yeah, on. Honestly, they might call. Hey, that. fucking bring it, dude! <laughs> I don't think yeah, they want to catch these people less or what again. Yeah, I, I was actually it's notified. Rated E for everyone. I, I, I was, honestly. I can tell you if I wore a mask to one of those things and one of those guys like tried to like be a dick about it, I would absolutely get confrontational hundred percent. Yeah. Cause they probably think you're like some pushover and then you'd be like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> That's how this works. Which state were we in Nate? Where, cause like Nate and I went on a road trip like, like last year and uh, it was like this weird rotating of like, uh, we started it in a state that was closed and then we were in a state that was open. So it was like open, close, open, close all the way till we got to Texas. But I remember yeah. we like stopped for gas or something, got out of the car and we were all wearing our masks and we were getting looks for wearing it. And we're like, oh, shit, we're in a state that's um, open. So we like took it off because we we're getting like hella judged. And I was like, this are weird vibes. Um, yeah. Yeah. You don't think this is when it was more unknown too. like people didn't have like a good idea of how it spread or anything. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was weird. I don't know, man. I think it'd be pretty interesting potentially punking an anti-masker with a mask on but yeah he'd be on world star dude if i'll be like that's my boy look at him sometimes when i see these uh assholes in public i i wish i could just challenge them to mutual combat so you know we're both isn't uh, there a state where you could do that washington like if you yeah if you both agree you can fight so yeah fight each other that's so. why we're gonna fly up to, to washington we're gonna find mole man i'm gonna challenge him to mutual combat and if he agrees hopefully he goes down i don't get knocked out yeah i don't know i'll have to see about that one um all right but (laughs) the next fight uh which i'm always speaking about your favorite against who you rooted against joseph benavides for yeah the number one bantamweight in the world dominic cruz i'm I'm such a fan of dominic cruz and um when that guy lose to cejudo (laughs) whoa 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 whoa. that that was the referee stop it It was the referee's fault dominic cruz has never lost to henry cejudo but I, I used to be on the opposite side. I used to be, um, you know, pro team alpha male. And when they had that whole rivalry, I was all about um, Uriah Faber being Dominic Cruz. But then uh, just understanding and uh, learning more about Dominic Cruz as a person and a fighter. And I was like, dude, this guy's amazing. Just like the way he thinks and th- the way that he fights, it- it's super awesome. And I-, I started becoming a fan and I've always rooted for him. And it sucks that he's kind of had it rough, uh, you know, fair play to. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, he won that fight fair and square, but the Henry Cejudo fight, I, I'm not okay with that one. That one doesn't sit right with me. And Donna Cruz is a man, and he would admit if he actually lost that fight, but th- that referee screwed him over, and, and it pisses me off to this day because he shouldn't be, uh, you know, on a 
two fight losing streak. He, he's too good for that. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a, I, I don't want to say that I'm like a dominant cruise Mark per se, but I'm absolutely a big fan of the guy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's incredible how successful he's been with the type of injuries he's had to deal with. And like some of the layoffs that he's had, cause he's not young by any means. Mm-mm. And that in combination with the kind of style and flair that he has when fighting, like with his footwork and everything, what's not to love, man, shit's badass. And I think he's going to roll through this guy. I hope so. He's not that bad though. I mean, he's done no. pretty well. Yeah. He's on a three fight winning streak. He's beat some, uh, you know, talented guys beat Lewis Smolka just recently beat Nathaniel Wood, who's, uh, you know, uh, people were holding him in high regards. Um, yeah, he's he had some pretty good performances. It's going back to that Holly Holm knockout. Or not Holly Holm, forgetting the Cyborg knockout. You mm-hmm. fought on that. That was like one of the first times I actually kind of paid attention to him because we saw him live, and he did really well in that fight too. He won. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be pretty interesting, um, especially, uh, you know, people are making a big deal about Dominic Cruz fighting on the prelims. But he's fighting in prime real estate. This is, uh, you know, if, if you weren't on the main card, this is the spot you'd want to have because it's the fight right before the main card. A lot of people tuning in. I, I know Uriah Faber back in the day kind of popularized um, this idea. Like, I don't want to fight on the pay-per-view where there's a paywall. I want to fight right here on free TV where everybody can see me. All my sponsors can be seen. I'm going to be way- making way more money here than if I was behind this paywall where not everybody's going to be able to access it. So um, good on Dominic Cruz for getting that spot. And honestly, I, I hope he comes back and has a great performance. Obviously, I'm not going to pretend uh, and uh, you know not acknowledge that he's at the tail end of his career. He's 35. He obviously has a ton of other um, avenues to go to after fighting, um, you know, still involved in mixed martial arts, working with the UFC, having his show on UFC Fight Pass and obviously doing the commentating stuff, which he's amazing at. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, he has this last run, beats uh, you know his, his opponent uh, Casey Kenny, and maybe fights one more time f- and then a title shot because uh, you know he beats Casey Kenny, he's right back in there. Uh, obviously, with the controversial loss to Cejudo, you can argue that. So um, it wouldn't be that crazy to put him up there close to a title shot. So I, I'm, I'm hoping he just has his last run, uh, successful or not. Um, I'll respect him either way. He's got a. He's really got to use his movement because isn't Casey Kenny more of a grappler? Yeah, wrestler. Like, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is Cruz got to keep him at distance. I mean, that's a, Cruz, honestly, is probably in terms of uh, IQ, probably one of the highest fight IQs you can get. Like, he just, the way he talks about fights, the way he interprets them, and the way he can read people is very different than most general fighters. And I, I'm not trying to blow smoke up his ass. It's just you can tell by the way he speaks about it, you know. No, he's badass, man. And you know yeah. what? I forgot up until, I don't know, probably like like a week ago or so, I was just, you know, reading up on the fights and everything like that. I forgot that he's got a win over Mighty Mouse. Yeah. And, Even uh, though it was like yeah. 10 years ago, that's crazy. It was, uh, yeah, that was when Mighty, Mighty Mouse was fighting Bantamweight because there was no flyweight. So yeah, uh, and he he uh, obviously uh, way longer than Mighty Mouse fought him perfect fought him at range and you think about how talented um, Mighty Mouse is and you know Dominic Cruz and you look at them and just think how they fought way back then it's just yeah it, it's impressive because not many people say that they beat Mighty Mouse. I yeah. I absolutely think that Dominic Cruz can put some wins together like a hundred percent and I would love to see Dominic Cruz versus Aljamain Sterling 
I think that would be the craziest fight. And I, and I hope it happens at some point. Okay. You know, yeah, hopefully you can get there. <laughs> yeah. Cause if, if you look at um, the top 10, cause obviously right now Dominic Cruz is ranked at uh, number 11. If you look at the top 10, there's uh, so many fun fights for him, obviously uh, outside of Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera. Cause he just got um, pieced up in his last fight. I think um, you, you can put him up against anybody. Like obviously uh, seeing him against jo- Jose Aldo would be insane. Frankie Edgar yeah. would, would be fun. Even um, some of these uh, like less popular guys, like imagine Rob Font. Oh yeah, yeah. dude, it, it'd be an insane striking. But the one that I really want to see back with Cody too. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious about Cody. We'll we'll get to him. But the, the fight that I'm more curious to, to see would be, um, you know, uh, this uh, like newer generation versus like the old schools. I, I I'd love to see Cody Sanhagen versus Dominic Cruz. I think that would be an oh. insane fight. I don't know. I think Sanhagen wins that though. You're crazy. Dude, I don't You're think crazy. So. That is not crazy. You're crazy. Sanhagen, I think, is coming into his prime, and Cruz, as we said, is kind of more going out. You know, it's the crazy. Twilight of his career, as they, you know. Besides you being crazy, I think if Sanhagen, Aljamain Sterling happens next for Sanhagen, I think Sterling gets him again. Yep, I agree. I've I I rewatched that fight and. I didn't. I didn't acknowledge at first when I saw it the first time the kind of pressure Sterling was putting on him. Like, dude, immediately he was backing him up and took his back in like such a slick way. Um, I know that Sanhagen said that leading into the fight he didn't feel right and he felt kind of flat and so on and so forth. I don't know if that made a difference, man. It looked absolutely like a skill thing with how that played out. And yeah, or you didn't expect the game plan of him rushing him too. You know, it's kind of one of those things. If you're already kind of off, and then someone like pushes the pace against you, and you're not able to start up, you kind of you know, even like uh, Lewis, you know, even though he beat Blades for the first like two rounds, he didn't do anything. You know, he's like, and he even said he's like, "Ah, I didn't feel right. I didn't even want to throw anything. It, It didn't make sense to me. I just was waited for that punch, and that was it." Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of interesting how, like, uh, mindset plays a big part into, you know, what you, who you're fighting and what, you're, you know, it's a big, that's what this thing accounted to his success was going into, you know, seeing a sport therapist and really getting his mind in the right place, you yeah. know, before a matchup. So, yeah, but also training with Jason Perlow with his boxing, that guy's a, yeah. that guy's a genius. I, I wish I was famous enough to go down to Ruka, which is like 20 minutes for me and train with Jason Perlo because he's amazing. Just look at what he's done with like cyborg Bisbing and uh, he's worked with so many talented people. Obviously, um, you know, he's worked with BJ Penn. God, it, it's a while to think about. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that. I don't, I don't know where I saw it. I think it was Bisbing's Instagram. He, he visited that gym or I think he was visiting that Perillo guy. Luke Rockhold was there training mm-hmm. and they were being yeah. friendly with each other. Oh yeah. yeah. was like fucking playing with his dog and shit. It was crazy. Well, well it's like, I hold grudges, you know? I mean, they both yeah. have one and one. So it's like, and he doesn't fight anymore. So no, was, you love, you like to see it. Yeah. Well, and Rockhold's probably like, okay, let me go train with the guy who trained Bisping to knock me out. Yeah. 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 And it's true. Yeah, I, I I love Lou Rockhold. His frame was amazing for 185. I was uh, so bummed when he beat Chris Weidman, um, but I, I just feel like he needed to take 
MMA more serious because I feel like he had a lot of things going on outside. Obviously, um, he's a model and has a lot of other ventures, which is fine. But I feel like he has so much talent, especially him training, you know, uh, coming from AKA training up there with Kane, DC, Khabib. And you saw he would become the, tri- the Strike Force champion, excuse me, and then um, was able to become the UFC champion. But for him to come in against uh, Jan Blakowicz in his uh, last fight, like, and you saw he had his, um, his leg uh, with the, the sleeve on and was still injured. It's like, dude, he should have just not fought. So um, I, I just, I would like to see him fight again. I want to see him at, 85 but i want to see him come back in better shape get healthy um and you know it's cool that he's training with jason perlow down here but i, I just want to see him come in right because i feel like a prime good shape um healthy luke rockhold can do some damage uh but if him coming in, in like injured which uh just isn't good for him because uh, we know what kind of potential he has yeah i think it all depends on his ego because he's clearly like a confident man and mm. pretty egotistical i'd say um the fact that he's training with Perillo to me would indicate that he kind of has put his ego in check a little bit and is acknowledging that there's some shit to work on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take that as a good thing and that he is going to come back better. But we'll see. Yeah, he just had an interview saying that he, you know, is kind of reassessing like he wants to do it right. He wants to be 100%, you know, not come into this injured and that he wants to fight at middleweight he feels like that's where he's had the most success and you know like that's probably his ideal weight class so Dude, but he said he was up for 205 if it made sense 205 but, doesn't make sense yeah no no so I, don't, I think that he's gonna get something at 185 who would so. you guys like to see him fight at 185 because obviously he i feel like he could get a ranked fighter like no problem yeah yeah i mean it's just name value alone would probably buy into that uh I would like to see him uh, maybe get like a not like super high. Maybe give him like a, a Marvin Vittori. Yeah. Or um, who's he? You're, doesn't Uriah Hall have a fight already booked? Uh, he was supposed to fight. Yeah, I think Uriah Hall does have a fight booked, but I can't think of what it who it is right now. Yeah, give Rockhold like a Marvin Vittori or like a Brad Tavares who had a really impressive performance in his last outing. Um, not like top five yet, but just give somebody, uh, give him somebody ranked. I, I think that that would be nice to kind of put him in there and see where he's at. If he can hang with those guys. Uh, yeah, there's, um, Jack Hermanson. Not a bad one. Kind of like a mid, you know, mm-hmm. in between fighter. I yeah. mean, you could give him Darren Till if you wanted to. No, no. Just keep yeah, that's, that's a little high. I would say maybe the loser of Kevin Holland and Derek Brunson. Could make sense because yeah. you got to think lose yeah. that fight still going to be ranked right and you're just you're giving you're giving rockhold a tough fight still so mm-hmm. yeah i w- w- wouldn't be mad at it um if i'm being honest i don't see kevin holland losing that fight yeah. he, he's too uh, fast uh, he, he, i think he's too fast for brunson brunson moves so slow and it blows my mind that he's <laughs> that highly ranked yeah no and, and i i think uh kevin holland is just straight up on fire at the moment not yeah. even that his, his skills he, he's so talented it's insane and and when i look at him he doesn't look super filled out at like 185 you know he, he looks kind of skinny uh not skinny like izzy like izzy's skinny but um you know he, he he's pretty built but when, when i look at kevin holland i'm like man like he, I, he's like one of those fighters where i'm like he might break his legs if uh, one of his kicks get checked wrong but but he's super strong you see the way he knocked out jacare which still has me yeah sad. 
That was brutal. Was like even Jacare, you know, before that was pretty confident. He even pointed at him like, eh. And then he was like, oh, let me show you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but just having That's him like folded, like seeing Jacare yeah. like folded and him just on top, just uh that was that was just such a bummer to see. Yeah, it was pretty brutal, dude. That was uh but yeah, so everyone's going cruise, huh? That yeah, was, uh, oh, where we left off. Hundred yeah. percent, Dominic Cruz, yeah. the Dominator. Don't forget that he had that nickname. <laughs> that was back when so he was the sponsored. Main card. Now we're on the pay per view, by... which actually, man, every fight on the pay per view is just good. like it's one of those ones where it should be good, dude. So, it, it, you know what I mean? It's, it's fire. It's, it's so good. It's, but it's kind of scary because these matchups where it's like, all right, these are all going to be barn burners. These are going to be amazing fights. Sometimes fall victim to being the most boring fights that we get to see. So as good as it is, I'm stoked on all these matchups. I I, I expect them to be exciting. I'm just not going to forget um, the history of these kinds of cards where um, they're supposed to be Romero amazing. Versus Israel Adesanya is a good example of that. Exactly. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath. Like I'm looking forward to it, but I'm just uh, hoping yeah. that it goes the way that we're expecting, not the way that it could go. You know. But yeah, so light heavyweight starts the what like with the top the top three, right? Because uh, Thiago Santos is ranked one or two, two. Okay, and then uh, Alexander, uh, um, he's four. So yeah, okay. So still, I mean, this is like top tier, and both these fighters. I mean, Santos kind of didn't perform very well in this, like you know, is, is all right. His last fight, you know, so I mean, it's one of those ones that makes you wonder how he's going to come into this coming off of a loss. But yeah, he's a, he's fighting a very dangerous guy. I mean, this that it's a it's could go either way. They're both going to swing for the fences. I, I oh yeah, I'm I'm pulling Tiago Santos in this fight, hundred percent, and I really hope it's an absolute just ass beater fest like when he like when he faced uh jimmy manawa do you guys remember that yeah. fight mm-hmm. that fight was wild i think this fight has a potential to be like that straight up because Thiago santos is coming off two losses and he realizes the visibility in a card like this and because he's a goddamn wild man i think it's going to be an absolute slugfest before i jump into the matchup i'm just curious what happened to glover because you know glover beat tiago and then he's, he's uh, ranked number one, and obviously I think he, he, out. he got screwed out of his title shot because he should have got the title shot next. But obviously they're like, oh yeah, he's uh, weighing in on this card. I know he's, he, uh, he's the replacement if something weird yeah. happens, but I'm just like, he should have fought by now because the guy that he beat is fighting. So obviously he's not injured because he's the third man. Uh, it, it I think he's going to get the next light heavyweight title shot. I think that's just like they gave him that word. They're like, we, you're getting it next no matter what. Because they, because of his age and because of what he did, you know? Yeah, but that could he be for to. another year or two because Izzy... Um, and, um, well, if, if, if Izzy wins... Win well, hold on, hold on. I, I, I don't <laughs> want to say anything yet, but if Izzy wins, he's already clear, uh, clarified that he's going back down to middleweight because there's unfinished business down there. So for him to hold up light heavyweight are they going to do an interim which is so annoying i hate when they do that unless it's called for like if there's a legitimate reason for an interim title i'm behind it but if it's uh, for like a dumb reason i i i'm just so mad that they're so like willy-nilly about these interims which they haven't been lately so like let's not do an interim but uh, i feel like glover just got screwed because he's not fighting for the belt for at least another year unless yeah 
unless Izzy is able to do this thing where he says he wants to fight five times this year, which we're here in the middle of March. So March to December, five times. That's, that would be insane. Yeah, he would have had the fight in January already. I don't think that's going to be a possibility. Might be able to get three fights in, I'd say. I think this whole scenario is just a reflection of Izzy's star power. And it definitely sucks for, for Glover that it's going down this way. And it especially bums me out because Glover's like pretty old, especially for an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, in my opinion, he definitely deserves a title shot. I don't think... He should be fighting again until he gets a title shot, but yeah, it might be it might be a while before it happens. And unfortunately, I like his chances against Jan a lot better than Izzy. I think he just, I think he has a tough time with Izzy. Yeah, because it'd be kind of the same with like Jones using the range. Yeah, right. you know Israel like when they did like faced him off, he looked pretty like sizable to Jan too like it was kind of like you look at him you're like well he was saying he walked around 190 and a lot of people were like when they saw him like face to face they're kind of like didn't seem like it if yeah. if that's true i love it man because he's going to maintain his mobility yeah, yeah. and you, you also got to remember um Jan used to fight at middleweight like he's near yeah. to, he's near to 205 as well so i i, I wasn't too surprised when I, I saw them face off and they were similar size but if I'm being honest, I'm picking um, Alexander Reykjavik to beat Tiago Santos. I- I'm not the biggest Tiago Santos fan, if I'm being honest. Uh, For sure. He uh, came up from middleweight as well. Uh, and he's like good striker, but I'm just like, I'm not sold on him. Like, obviously, he lost to John Jones. That was a, a pretty impressive performance, um, I think. I don't know. John Jones is always kind of wishy-washy. Uh, you know, talks about how he doesn't take things serious. Uh, and I, I don't know. Um, and then his performance against Glover, he got absolutely wrecked. But I don't fault him for that one too much because he came back, um, you know, fresh off surgery. You know, it's like both his knees. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how this fight plays out, but I'm not picking him to win this one. I, I think Alexander is going to uh, catch him. I think he came back too soon against Glover. Um, I think he should have spent more time in recovery because of how severe his injuries were in mm-hmm. the Jones fight. And I think, like you said, that absolutely plays a part in it. Um, I like his chances against Alexander because I think it's just going to be a stand-up fight exclusively. And I think it's going to be ugly. And Tiago Santos in fights like that, from what I've seen, just thrives and is great at it. Okay. This next fight, the lightweight fight, Islam Makachev versus Drew Dober. This is this – is- going to be such a good fight obviously the ufc is pushing islam makachev really hard because khabib and dc and everybody out of aka is swearing by this guy saying that he's the next champ but i'm, I'm not going to count judober out judober's nope. yeah. really talented just beat um alexander the great who you know it's not an easy out against him uh the guy fights out of elevation fight team and you know uh, guys like um usman gaichi out there training with Trevor, or excuse me um travis whitman or excuse yeah. me, Trevor Whitman. Uh, I'm and I'm you know pretty stoked to see how this fight plays out. It's, it's going to be, I think, a more of a competitive fight than people probably think. Yeah, I think it's just you know like anything. It, it's like the how we talked about Kaikara and you know Israel's other you know teammates. You kind of go off of that shine, you know, because whoever's the bit like the biggest name of like a group is you know it's going to trickle down to everyone around them. And so Drew Dover is. You know, he's around some great people too, like you just mentioned. But Islam, you know, you got DC. I mean, you just 
look at the history of AK, you know, you got Khabib, you know, it has a kind of like a similar style to that as well. So I could, you know, it's on paper. It looks like he's going to be very dominant, but uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like they expect Drew Dober to lose this fight, but when I, when, when I look at their competition, who they've faced, I feel like Drew Dober has fought way more, um, tougher competition versus Islam. And I know it's like MMA math, whatever, but I feel like uh, we haven't really seen um, Islam up against anybody who can actually test him. So this is going to yeah, be a, a great, yeah, this is going to be a great fight to see if he actually can hang with the top contenders in lightweight. Cause there's some killers up there because Judober not there yet, but um, if we can get, get past Judober, then I think people will finally start to actually acknowledge these claims by, you know, DC and Khabib and everybody at AKA, but yeah, but I'm picking Drew Dober. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? So, man, so I'm I'm going with Islam, right? But I feel like at this point in his career, a guy like Drew Dober who fights in his way and is he can be a little reckless at times, but he's confident. He has incredible hands. I think that's the kind of guy that if there is going to be someone who beats Islam, it's going to be him. So. I think Islam's going to win, but I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Dober catches him. And I actually, earlier today, I watched an interview. I think it was at the press conference at some point. It was either like today or yesterday, an interview with uh, Dober. And his attitude going into this thing is absolutely incredible. He, he acknowledges that Islam is a super tough fight. Absolutely gives zero fucks about it and is not afraid to win or lose. And I think because of that, he's going to go in there and have a really good chance of bringing the fight to him. I think a lot of people would have taken a fight with Islam with a lot of reluctance and would try and be really strategic and do what they can to try and safely win it and kind of figure out the puzzle. And it doesn't sound like Dober's doing that at all. I think he's just going to go in there and try and slug it out. And to beat a guy like Islam to beat a guy like Khabib, I think you have to catch him on the feet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to lean Dober on this one. And I think, <laughs> wow, really? So both you yeah. guys, you guys think Dober beats him? 100%. I think he's going to submit him. I hope so. I'd love to see it. I think that's what like they're going to be working. I think that's going to be part of the plan, the expectation of being taken down. And I think he's going to, you know, either do some type of leg triangle, you know, like get him when he's in top position or he's going to arm bar or something. I think he's going to get him on the ground. That'd be some shit. I think yeah. if it gets to the ground, it's over. No, nah, he's going to uh, get him by TKO. Let's say TKO the second round. I'm down. I, th- I think, I think this is low key, probably the most exciting fight on the main card. Dude, that division lightweight yeah. is as, as long as I've been in MMA, lightweight has never been boring. So, no. so for, for to, to see like this, like newer generation of fighters and um, knowing what they're fighting for and who's like above them in the rankings and where they're trying to get to, because obviously Islam is trying to live up to all this praise from his uh, you know teammates and uh, they're trying to rise to, to get to the title. But for him to get through everybody in, in the top 10 is going to be insane. And for Drew Dober to get up there as well, uh, it, it, this is just so fun for me. And I'm definitely excited to see this matchup. I just love that Dober was down for it. Like mm-hmm. so many yeah. people were like dodging Islam. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I think people are kind of shook by him and Dober doesn't give a fuck about it. I love it. 
yeah I, I feel like we're in that era where like um remember uh there was that era where people were afraid of the brazilians like the brazilians were taking over yeah. there's so many Bra- brazilian champions but then that kind of passed uh credit to uh you know tg dillashaw i feel like he was the one um to start like you know kind of putting like a like a chink in their armor when we saw him beat uh um uh Hinato Barao, uh, yeah. which was insane to, to see that happen. So I think that was like, you know, the start of their downfall. But then with all these Russians coming in, people were, were scared, but shout out to Ben Henderson way back in the day, um, beating out these Russians like pretty early. But I feel like this is their time now, obviously with Khabib being the champ and all these people coming into, you know, from Dagestan and all these other parts of Russia. It's like, I feel like they're like their moment, but I, I'm, uh, you know, it's really curious to see if Drew Dobers are going to be able to pull it off. I'm rooting for him, but I, I think he's the one that can do it right now. You know, um, Islam, he, he's lost in the UFC before. He got KO'd. Yeah, so he's going to get TKO'd on Saturday. <laughs> it, but that's his only loss, too. So, I mean, that's the thing. You get, I mean, with these at this point when we're recording this, they haven't weighed in or anything like that mm-hmm. either. So, yeah, we don't know if he's going to make weight. Like, you know, like there's a lot of very, how hard the weight cut's going to be. A lot of those type of factors, especially for that type of uh, grappling, you know. You're sounding really negative right now. (laughs) Hey, you voted against that fool, so shut up. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, can we talk about the most overrated champion right now in the UFC who's fighting on this card? Oh, yeah. Peter Yan. I'm not sold on this guy. I feel like he's hit the easiest road to the title. If you look at his record, okay, his record, I think his most impressive victory and hear me out on this one. I think his most impressive victory in the UFC is over Jimmy Rivera. Outside of that, all the other ones, he fought a old John Dodson. Okay, John Dodson. Or excuse me, John Dodson, uh, former tough winner, uh, former title contender, like used to be good, but he fought an old John Dodson. He fought a retired Uriah Faber, which I, I hate talking bad about Uriah. I'm a huge fan of him, but for Uriah to come back to fight Peter on should have never happened. And then he last beat an old Jose Aldo to win the belt. And Jose Aldo, featherweight Jose Aldo, killer. Bantamweight Jose Aldo, he's a former shell of himself. And uh, and it, it sucks because I, I hate talking bad about any fighter because I know how hard they work. They could definitely whoop me. But when I look at Jose Aldo in bantamweight, yeah, he's had some successes, but he's not what he used to be. So when I see a young guy like Peter Yan beat him, I'm like, okay, um, that's not that impressive because he's already been wrecked. You look at all the other people who beat Josie Aldo look at when Max Holloway started to send him downhill it's just like those those wins aren't impressive to me the only one is Jimmy Rivera but I, I think he's like the most overrated champion and I'm not sold on him that's why I'm picking Aljamain Sterling the funk master oh, yeah. coming out Absolutely. of New York uh, Sarah Longo and I think he's gonna get it man like, I, yeah. I, I, I just don't see a, a way that uh, Aljamain loses this fight I I agree with that and to kind of touch on the on the Josie Aldo thing uh-huh. Josie Aldo was getting the better of it for like the first round and a half, two rounds. I would I would argue that he was absolutely hanging in there with Jan and doing great. Obviously, as the fight wore on, he got caught a couple times. Like he's kind of old, he's a shell of himself and ended up losing or whatever. But just the fact that Aldo gave him that kind of a hard time solidifies your point, in my opinion. And I think... I think it's going to look a lot like the Sanhagen Aljamain Sterling fight. I think Aljamain's going to have way more movement. I think he's going to be able to take him down at will. And I think it's going to be maybe not easy work mm-hmm. for Sterling, but I think if he wins, I don't, I can't imagine he's going to take a lot of damage. Okay. 
Yeah, honestly, I think it's a lot of these. The next three fights, I think it's almost kind of like you see, like generally how it should be. Like I don't, I think most people are leaning Sterling for this fight. You know, it's just you look at what he's done, the, the impressive, you know, his cardio, the way that he wrestles. I mean, he's like very well rounded. Yep, and it, you know he's shown it time and time and you know generally that although fight shouldn't have happened to begin with it should have been sterling absolutely uh -huh. yep you know so it's one of those things where you know they always kind of said Jan was kind of avoiding that fight which even you know when aldo went like aldo got the fight for the belt after a loss which mm -hmm. made like zero sense to begin <laughs> with yeah, it's one of those rare situations where somebody coming yeah. off of a loss, and it was like a—I get it—a controversial decision, but yeah. still, um, it, it was recorded as a loss. Uh, they, they should have kept the, the division moving, and um, you know, m m I guess Marais should have gotten that. But uh, we we've seen how his career has played out so far, and it, it bums me out as well because I was a huge fan of him when he was in WSOF. But it's just, mm -hmm. yeah, this fight against um, you know Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling should have already happened. So this is yeah. long, long overdue. I, and, I yeah. think. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying. Yeah, I was just gonna. I think Sterling's gonna submit him. You know, yeah. like I think I, it's just he's gonna impose his will on him, completely wear him down, tire him out, and then just you know he's gonna quit. I think a huge factor in this fight is Aljamain Sterling's movement. So, say for instance, he he can't really get in on him and can't submit him, right? I think Aljamain's cardio and movement are good enough where he's going to avoid the big shot because in pretty much all of Jan's fights leading up to this, he doesn't do much until he lands that one big shot and it kind of changes the fight, right? Because he's really powerful. Like against everybody, it was kind of like that. I don't think he's going to be able to land that against Sterling. I think he's going to have to get really lucky if he's going to land one of those punches. Yeah, I, I, like Sterling's not going to be a sitting duck. He's going to be constantly moving. His footwork's nope. amazing. And watching uh, the countdowns or the, excuse me, the embeddeds and seeing him uh, training with Ray Longo and seeing him working a lot of kicks, yep. I'm, I'm just like, okay, he's he might try to like, you know, uh, keep him at range and utilize some kicks because he's not afraid to get taken down. You can take him down all day. He, his, uh, you know, Jiu-Jitsu credentials will speak for themselves, and he's not worried. He can fight on the ground. And one thing that he mentioned at the press conference was um, a lot of fighters have been able to take Jan's back but do nothing with it. And he said, if, if I got in those positions, which I'm sure that I can, like I'm going to do something with it, unlike those other guys, because his grappling is insane. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Okay. So uh, from there, it's the what people consider the, the GOAT. And women's MMA, Amanda Nunez versus uh, Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, before you guys speak, uh, can I tell my story about how I met Amanda in Florida? I know I, I, I've told you, both you guys. Wait, did, did I say that on air or was that off air? I think uh, I think you said it on there. Okay, never mind then. I want to tell, tell it again. Dude, tell it again. It's a great story and I love to hear it. Okay, all right. I'll, story I'll, time, I'll, Jamie. Let her rip. I'll tell go. it again for those who haven't heard it. Uh, I was, and this was uh, last October. Uh, I was on my annual Halloween trip to uh, Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and we are in Disney Springs. Friends and I uh, shopping at World of Disney, and as we're exiting, 
I notice in the line to check out, I see Amanda Nunez and Nina Ansaroff. And I knew it was Amanda because I'm obviously we're all masked up, but I know I knew it was Amanda because of her tattoos because she was wearing like a jersey. So I, I could see her her lion tattoo. And I was like, oh, I, I know exactly who that is. And obviously, when I see celebrities out in public, I never want to freak out or instantly pull my camera out. So I, I just casually walked over and I, I just uh, said her name. I was like, Amanda Nunez. And she kind of looked over at me and I just told her, I was like, hey, I just came over here. I just wanted to say hi. And I um, think you're you're the best. And I'm really happy to see what you're doing. And I didn't want to acknowledge Nina Ansaroff because obviously the, the pandemic, I didn't want to get too close. Um, she was holding their brand new baby. So this was like, think about, uh, you know, um, in October, it was like, you know, brand new baby. So don't want to get too close to making anybody feel uncomfortable. So I just, uh, you know, said my piece to um, Amanda. She was super nice, very thankful. And that was just amazing to me that she was just super nice to me. I'm um, obviously some weird stranger coming up to her um, at Disney. But yeah, I went and just told her that I thought she was the best, said hi and just walked away. And it was just such an amazing experience just to see somebody who's so talented, um, just to be able to see them in, in, in person again, because obviously Nate and I uh, saw her fight um, at the forum. But just to see her at Disney, just being a normal person, it was, it was so awesome because nobody around even knew who she was. But I, I walked over and I just knew this is like one of the greatest fighters ever. And it was just like so cool to me to meet her in person. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Disney World. You go see those awesome fighters that train out there in Florida. Do yourself a favor and go. All right. So who you got, Jeff? Amanda Nunez. I mean, I I, th- I think you, you just have to go Amanda Nunez in any fight she's in at this point. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how she's going to perform now that she's a parent. Because you got to think that she spent a lot of time with parental duties kind of leading up to this. And maybe it could have an effect on her mindset, the way her training regime has been. And couple that with Megan Anderson striking in her long reach. Um, even then, I think Amanda Nunez is going to kind of whoop her ass. So yeah. I got to go Nunez. It's hard because, I mean, you look at, you know, you never want to do MMA math, but. Megan Anderson lost to Holly Holm, lost to Felicia Spencer. Early, early in her career. Well, Felicia Spencer was 2019, and then uh, Holly Holm was 2018. So, I mean, definitely growth from there. But, I mean, you look at what Nunez did, even to those people, in comparison to the kind of the trouble she had against them, it's, you know, you don't, you can't really see Megan Anderson really being able to push the pressure on Nunez when, especially when, even when Cyborg tried to push the pressure on Nunez, Nunez was able to push her back, you know? And I think that's very, because you just look at what Cyborg has been doing even in Bellator now, you know, like just imposing her will on people that if she wasn't able to do that to Nunez, I don't see someone like Negan Anderson being capable of doing it as well, but the big, but she's big, you know, like she's six. She's taller than me like by an inch, but you know what I mean? Like Megan Anderson's a very, like a true featherweight, like they say. So she definitely has a shot. She definitely has probably the strength behind her, but she needs to actually lean and use that. She needs to use like tire Nunez out. She can't fight her at range. She needs to like clinch with her and push her against the cage and really draw her out. That's the, that's like, I think the key to success for her, I, but uh, I think Nunez is just going to clip her to be yeah, honest. I, I agree with that. I think if Megan Anderson is to implement her game plan, 
it would definitely involve like really hitting Amanda Nunez hard early in the fight and getting her to respect the striking so she doesn't just like rush in on her like she does everybody else, you know? But I mean, you just can't help but think that Nunez is going to go in there and knock her out. Yeah. I mean, she could counter her, you know, like Nunez could get a little reckless, push the pace and then get yeah. clipped. You know, it's not, it, that that's the amazing thing about MMA. You never know, but it's just, I don't see Nunez getting clipped. I think she's going to, you know, she has really good boxing, really good movement. And I just would see, I think she would see that coming, especially with someone of, uh, Megan's size, you know, I, it's not going to be as snappy as quick as maybe like someone at the weight class below. So, I mean, sure. I think Nunez has that speed and I think she's going to have that reaction time as well. Like the advantage. I may be in the minority, but I feel like they just need to close this division because this is the only division that doesn't have rankings because there's not enough fighters in the division. If you look at Megan Anderson's record, she hasn't beat anybody notable to get this title shot. I feel like they're this is their um uh just their road to continuing to pump up Amanda Nunes. Like, okay, here uh we're gonna give you somebody who's on a two fight win streak. Uh the wins haven't been that impressive. She hasn't beat anybody of real competition, but here we're gonna give you this easy title fight because Nobody can really challenge you at either division right now, but we're going to give you this tile fight just to prop you up. This is, uh, you know, going to be uh, a quick night for you, and we're going to continue to make you uh, legendary and hopefully close that division and just let her focus on 135 because um, it's cool that she has two uh, two titles, but really there's no real division for women's featherweight. There's not enough fighters that the UFC has, and with them trying to cut all these fighters, I don't think they want to invest in bringing on more fighters to try to create a new division. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I think this is just a gimme fight and it sucks to say, cause like I said, Megan Anderson, yeah, she's on a two fight winning streak, but she hasn't really beat anybody that impressive. Uh, and, uh, you know, she lost to Holly home. I'll, I'll give that to her. Cause that was her UFC debut. She cheated against Kat Zingano, or excuse me, Kat Zingano. <laughs> she got her with that, that toe kick in the eye. You can't do that. So, um, I was surprised that they, I'm surprised they didn't call it a no contest to be fair. Because uh, it, it, she literally shoved her big toe in her eye, and you can't yeah. eye gouging is a, illegal, so I don't think she should have got disqualified. I think it should have just been a no contest. But for some reason, they gave her the TKO, so that was BS. And then she got choked out by Felicia Spencer, who's like some weird looking. She looks like a mom, wouldn't? And not like a. You know, obviously, there's like milfs oh, or whatever, God. but she just looks like someone who shouldn't be Jesus. in there. And, 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 and you saw what Cyborg did to her, piece her up. But then like these next two girls, um, Zara Dos Santos, who the hell's that? Where is she at? And then the last girl she beat, uh, Norma Viana, dude, these people like that division is just it's and I, I hate to say, it, but that division sucks. And I and I don't like, you know, shitting on all these people, but there's just not enough women at that size that are competitive right now. I'm not saying that it'll never be a thing. It could be. But if you look at the landscape of MMA, there's more fighter, or excuse me, more women fighters in the smaller divisions. If you look at. Uh, you know, bantamweight uh, and flyweight, those popping off. So many, so many awesome fights. So I, I think that she just needs to beat Megan Addison, shut the division down. There's no point in having it because this is just like they created this division. You know, you got to remember the history. They created this division just so they could bring in Cyborg, right? Yeah. And before yeah. Cyborg, nobody cared about the featherweight division. People just wanted to see Cyborg in the UFC. People wanted to see Cyborg versus Ronda, uh, but it never happened because Ronda was scared. But this division is pointless. So just close it, get rid of it, and just put her back down to Bantamweight and just move on. 
it's just a waste of time, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I still don't see them getting rid of it just because even if they don't necessarily bring any new people in, they could still just say she's a double champ and, you know, maybe eventually if someone else gets happens to get two wins that they can feed, you know, to Nunez. There's that it girl helps solidify it, you know. What's that blonde girl's name from uh she's is she fighting in um uh PFL? Is it Kayla Harrison? Is that who I'm thinking of? Somebody help me out. Uh, she got the pass to, to fight in Bellator, right? Yeah. I, I think people were saying that she she could be the the girl to um kind of come over to to fight uh, Amanda Nunes at featherweight and in the future yeah I'm uh, Kayla Harrison she fights in the PFL but I'm not uh, they didn't let her go to um Bellator they let her go to Invicta mm. uh, so that was like a you know cool thing and she's eight and oh so um she's the person that people are looking at like okay you could be the girl to go over and fight uh, uh Amanda Nunes when you get more experience but they're uh you know training the same place so I don't even know if that will happen yeah um, who knows how long Nunes will keep fighting too though you know She's got, dude. If if you could go in there and make multi million dollars for in like two minutes, and she's not taking damage, these girls aren't going in there and uh, making her work. She's going in there and just socking up people, and boom, good night. She she won't. Well, I, she hasn't taken no real damage. Expected Cejudo to hang it up either. You know what I mean? I mean, at some point, you just gotta either go. You know, she has a family now. She might want to just focus on that. No, but that's two different no, situations. Like what else is she going to accomplish? It's like Khabib, you know, saying like, I'm at the top, even though you could do the 30, you know. Okay. I'd, wait, I'd wait, love wait, to wait. see her run it back with Valentina. Wait, hold on. Those are three different situations. So Hudo quit or retired because he wasn't getting paid enough. He's not making money like Amanda Nunes. She's making millions of dollars. So Hudo wasn't making anything near that because um, uh, he's nowhere near as popular and they they didn't really want to push him or, or and I don't think they saw the value in him versus her because see how they're pushing her. She's the one to take out their you know shining star Ronda Rousey. So I, I think it's easier for her to keep fighting because she's going to want to be able to provide for her family. So who doesn't have a family? He just got his first girlfriend or something. And I think it, uh, she is more of an incentive to take, keep taking these easy fights until she meets a real challenger, uh, which she hasn't since Valentina. But even when she fought Valentina, she wasn't taking crazy damage. It was just a competitive fight, you know? And when it comes to, um, wait, who's the third person you mentioned? I, I totally forgot. I'm going off on a rant. Um, oh, Khabib. K- Khabib, he made this weird promise to his mom. He's going to come back. Yeah, he's he's going to come back for the 30-0 fight, which is just so annoying because I, I wish he would just... Because uh, th- this is how I know he's going to come back. He said that he's not going to hold up the, the division, but he is holding up the division. So there, he's not true to his word. He's a fake. Um, and he will get beat when he comes back. He's going to be 29 and Chandler. Mark my words. Go ahead. Dude. So and uh, to touch on that really quick, um, in my opinion, if he's coming back just to get the 30 and 0, the title is fucking irrelevant. Like you got to think if he comes back after get, giving up the title, it's going to be a title shot anyway. And he's presuming that he's going to win it. Let someone else get the title in the meantime. I hate well, it. I hate that. It sounds like pay-per-view. They've had to change this contract. So, you know, because they have it. So if you're the champ, you get like those points and things like that, even though he's a big enough star where you should get the points regardless. I mean, suppose you know, I don't know if that's money. you know, 29 in Chandler. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So we we gonna talk about the big dogs then? Twenty nine the and Chandler, baby. Light heavyweight championship of the world. Oh my god! Okay, should have been John Jones versus Israel, but I, here we are. I hate John Jones so much. Steroid user. He's hiding from Usada underneath his ring because he don't want to take his piss test. He's going at my boy DC. 
I, I hate John Jones. I'll I, f- fuck his skills. He's a piece of shit. His skills are whack. He's he's he, he's on the decline. He's gonna go up to heavyweight. He's gonna get wrecked. He's gonna come back down, and he's gonna get wrecked by Israel. I hate John Jones officially. I'm selling my Bones Nose Nike T-shirt for two hundred fifty dollars, size large, never worn, still bagged and tagged. Let me know. Good luck. Oh yeah. Um, hey, I remember Nike used to sponsor like in the OC. Jeez. Or at least well, fighters. they stopped because he hit. Uh, he did a hit and run. He's in. Uh, you know, he crashed with those um, prostitutes in his car when he has a family. Yeah. And yeah, he ruined it. He's the one that ruined it because he wasn't the only fighter that was sponsored. You got to remember, Gatorade was involved. They were sponsoring him, Junior Dos Santos, dude. Yeah, he screwed it up. No shit, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but anyway, John Jones is irrelevant to this fight because we got Jan versus Israel Isania. Easy you got, Jamie. Easy money for Israel. Uh, check, check this out. People want to talk about this Polish power. That's fine. He knocked out Corey Anderson, wrecked my boy, uh, Dominic Reyes, which um, he, he'll run it back and it'll be fine. But I, I'm not scared for Izzy. Izzy knows how to fight this type of fight. And he's. I, I feel like he's just going to, if he implements the same game plan that he did against um, uh, the guy who's drunk on wine, why can't I think of his name? Paul Costa. He'll be fine because Izzy's, um, yeah, he's been knocked out before. Uh, you know, it, it's fine. So he's been there. And I don't think he's going to put himself in a position where he's going to get caught by Jan. I think Izzy's, oh, like when it comes to skill wise, when it comes to their striking, Izzy's just on a whole nother level when it comes to Jan. So I feel he's, he's going to be fine. I, I don't see any. Uh, issue where I should worry for um, Izzy. I, I think he knows how to fight. Obviously, he's fought all the way up to heavyweight in kickboxing, so finding a, a quote-unquote bigger guy because he's coming up from middleweight, but so did Jan, and uh, their frames aren't that much different, uh, and I'm just, honestly, I, I'm so confident in Israel. Like I, I'm picking him to win by TKO. Let's say TKO, give him to the third round. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, man, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think it's super relevant that Jan was a middleweight before. He's been knocked out in the UFC, I think, a couple times at this point. Um, the fighting style that he has, like he, it's kind of weird, right? Like he just kind of plods forward in a, in his own weird little way. Like that's exactly what he did to Reyes. Um, I think Israel's movement is just out of this world. And I feel like his accuracy is so good that he's just going to be able to touch Jan a couple times and it's going to be fucking curtains for him, man. I mean, I think if Jan's path to victory would involve him being able to withstand clean Israel Adesanya shots so he can kind of get in on them and maybe get him up against the cage and try and rough him up there, I just don't see it happening. No. I think like he needs to definitely employ grappling on Israel and really impose his, you know, his weight on him. Because even though Israel's, you know, not cutting weight generally for this fight, Jan, he, you know, he was a middleweight, but he's gone up to light heavyweight where now he generally has to cut to make light heavyweight. So it's a little, you know, like he's put on mass. So he definitely has a little bit of a strength, you know, um, yeah. I, he's I a little think... stronger definitely so it's just more that's the thing it's one of those ones where you don't want to count him out oh yeah you do because he definitely could catch him 
Like, he, he could hit Israel. Like, I mean, no one thought he'd beat Re- Reyes, you know? Everyone was already... You could tell on Daniel White's face he didn't think Reyes was going to lose. That was a different Reyes. And that's the thing. It's just more how Jan likes to catch people when they're breaking away from... So if he clinches Israel, I think I... But Israel's really smart where I could see him actually seeing that because he kind of did the same against Whitaker when, you know, they were kind of clinched in that pocket and when they're throwing... He caught, you know, that the knockout of Whitaker was from breaking from the clinch, which is generally how Jan has been winning his fights as well. You know, like that's how he beat Rockhold. Uh, yeah. Reyes kind of was, he was counting them with those, you know, kicks as they broke away. So, I mean, it, if you kind of look at the game plan of Jan, you know, unless he completely tries something different, which, you know, would go play into grappling and just kind of using his strength for his advantage to kind of wear Israel down. That's like, I think the only real, real key to victory for Jan. But I, I think if he can catch him as they uh, are breaking away from each other, I think that that might be a surprise. I think that Israel's movement is way different than those other two examples. And I think for Jan to even get close to him, to even have a scenario where you're just breaking away from a clinch, he's going to have to eat some serious punches and like not go down. So if he's able to eat some clean shots and just keep it moving forward, yeah, maybe he's got a shot. I just, yeah, he's going to land very effectively. This reminds me of uh, TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo. You had two champs. You had the smaller guy, you know, the smaller guy going, uh, or excuse me, I got confused. TJ went down, Izzy's going up, but I feel like uh, Cejudo and Izzy mirror themselves with the the types of skills they have. Obviously, uh, Cejudo, an amazing wrestler, and grew his striking, and Izzy, amazing striker who's growing his wrestling. And I, I feel like those two guys are, are the type of fighters who are uh, like obsessed with the sports, highly skilled. And I, I just feel like they're unstoppable. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Izzy go up and show those skills. So I actually don't see a scenario where Jan's going to out grapple Izzy or um, run his cardio out. Because the, the most tired we've seen Izzy is when he fought to the fifth round with Kevin Gastelum, but even in the fifth round, they're both tired. He's the one that, you know, kind of uh, was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to, you know, suck it up and I'm going to have to take this round. Cause remember, it was two and two going to the fifth, and whoever won that round was going to win the title or the, the interim title or whatever. Um, I, I just feel like Izzy has just a clear path to, to victory, and, and it sucks because look at his, his last two fights fought Paul Costa, fought UL Romero, two guys who are, you know, people, it's, uh, you know, it's scary power. So I, I, and that's the thing that Jan has that his, that's what people always talk about the, the, the Polish power. So I don't see too many paths uh, to victory for Jan when it comes to him versus Izzy, but versus Izzy, um, he has so many different, um, you know, paths to victory. And for him to have way more tools in his toolbox, I, I just can't see where um, Jan's going to get him Cause he's like, I, I don't think he's going to get caught at this stage in his career. He, he he's, he's too aware of that danger and um yeah he got knocked out in kickboxing that happens but um he's a different fighter from you know then to now and he's way more skilled so i, I just don't really see it and i would be surprised if he lost to yon what yeah. if you think yon utilizes leg kicks though like what i mean you're seeing calf kicks make a big thing and what if he starts kicking that base of israel asanya israel asanya is way better than him at that 
that's that's what Israel Adesanya does to other people. I, yeah, I, I just don't see it, man. He, well, that's what I was saying. You never know. He might flip the script. He's too slow. I, mean, he, I, I think. Yeah. Like, he just has so many advantages over. But I don't know. I mean, no one expected him to throw those kicks against Reyes either. And look at the damage it inflicted on him completely. Yeah, yeah but Reyes it, also has minimal MMA experience in the grand scheme of things. He's yeah. still kind of a green fighter. But also, that wasn't the same Reyes. There was something wrong with Reyes that fight because he was just very slow, very just. Because you know, he switched of, camps. He yeah. wanted to train with his brothers and stuff instead of the people that made him who he was. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I I thought they all trained in Victorville. Uh, no, he did train camps. Like he traded camps that. Mm-hmm. Well, th- maybe that was that the fight. reason. But uh, when, when you look at the, the way Reyes came out of that fight, he wasn't. I, I could clearly because I'm a huge Reyes fan, by the way. I, I I could tell that there was something off about him. And, and I'm not trying to take away from Jan. You know, he did his job. He went in there and won. You know, good on him. But uh, I, I I think. It's just uh, it was um, Jan's night, but I think this Saturday we're gonna see another superstar, um, you know, emerge out of this pay per view. We're gonna have a, another double champ, and I think Izzy's just. Um, I, th- I think it's gonna be a while till till he gets a, a, a real challenge because I think with his skills and as fast as he's being able to absorb. Because yeah, I think Izzy he's only been in the sport what three years maybe, and for him to accomplish what he has in such um, you know in this main organization, the UFC, like. Like Jeff said earlier, there's no easy fight. So for him to be able to um, to do what he's done, it, it, it's insane to, to look at. And obviously, he was a talented fighter before coming into the UFC. But for him to be able to round out his skills with the grappling and the wrestling, and you know, the he's and he, he says he, he stands back when it comes to jujitsu. So apparently, he um, he has really high jujitsu. Um, he I think he just got his brown belt the other day. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, he was he did an, inter- an interview with Errol Hawani, and he was just awarded his brown belt. So you know that's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's just more playing devil's advocate. I mean, it's one of those things where it's hard to even bet against Israel, you know, just by looking at, you know, his skills and what he's accomplished so far. The, but, you know, the, MMA, <laughs> that's the, the thing. The one thing that I don't want to see out of Izzy is uh, he's, you know, uh, you know, obviously does a lot of talking, which is fine. He's not saying anything too crazy or too ridiculous, but I just don't want to see him uh, get to the point where he thinks he can go to heavyweight. Because I think, you know, he's um, fine at 205. Obviously, middleweight is his division, but I don't want to see a point where he's like, all right, cool. I did it in kickboxing. I'm the middleweight and uh, light heavyweight champ. Let's make real history and become a, a triple champ. No, that that's not going to happen. Like if you put him up, yeah. if you put him up against like a Cyril Ghan or uh, even um, Stipe, if he wins or loses his next fight, like I, don't, I just don't. He's way like, no, like that's what I don't want to see out of Israel. I like, okay, float around 205, do the thing like, you know, Anderson Silva did cool, but make sure like just be that legend in middleweight, like, you know, out like take over. Like I want, when I want when I think of the middleweight, I want people to think of Israel, not the the Anderson Silva record that, that's still there. Like I think Izzy could be that guy to be like to be one of these greats, you know, like boom, boot out Anderson. Let's talk about GSP. Let's talk about Khabib and then boom, Israel's name right there. You know, I think he has the best chance of breaking mighty Mouse's record. Okay. True. Um, I mean, you got to think of Usman as well, but I like Izzy more because there's absolutely a risk in going up a weight class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's taking on like badass motherfuckers the entire time. So, I'd like to see it, dude. I was thinking about, um, uh, like, where does he, you know, okay, it, and obviously I, I'm picking him. Uh, it's not, you know, 100 percent a thing yet, but he's gonna be holding two titles. And, and and when you look at the list of top contenders in light heavyweight, it's not easy. 
And I'm scared for him, obviously. Like, I, I want him to perform well. But when you look at guys like Dominic Reyes, um, who's the guy that he's fighting? Uh, uh, oh, uh, Jerry? Yeah, Jerry Prochaska. Dude, like, man, that has me nervous. So uh, I just, he, he's, I, I just don't want him to get in over his head. Is all I'm saying yeah. because he's like um, Jan, like I said, was a middleweight, so probably one of the smaller two fivers. But when you go up to like the um, Tiago, Tiago Santos, who's even who used to fight middleweight, but he's a huge motherfucker. And then yeah. like the, the the tall, long guys like Dominic Reyes, it's just like ah, like I'm not sure how how he would do, or even like a crazy weirdo like Johnny Walker, like versus uh, yeah. dude. It's just like I I wouldn't feel so confident in those fights. Uh, for for Izzy, which sounds crazy because he's so impressive, but it's like, yeah, I, I just want him to to go get the shine. But I hope it goes how the majority of double champs go. He wins the belt, but then one division gets held up. So UFC's gonna be like, hey, like you know, like either give up that belt and let the division continue, or we're gonna have to do an interim. Because the only real double champ to stick around is uh, Amanda Nunes versus everybody else. It's been, uh, you know, like they stripped Connor, uh, Suhudo retired. Uh, they made DC forfeit his belt. So, I I just don't think he could. I just don't think he he could defend both, like yeah. and be super active because especially uh, light heavyweight. Because I mean yeah. that's a very important like division for them. You know they. I mean even like Bellator. Look at how much attention theirs is getting right now. Yeah, it's one of those ones that needs to keep moving forward. What what I would like to see is um he beats uh Blockovitz. Uh, Blahovitz, excuse me, goes back down to middleweight and maybe defends once or twice. John Jones goes up to heavyweight, loses, come back down, do you know this crazy dream matchup? John Jones versus Izzy, boom, he beats John Jones, forfeits the light heavyweight belt, and just ends his career in middleweight. That'd be I bad. don't know if John Jones be able to cut back down though, because he's like bulked up quite a bit. Uh, he'll just get back on drugs, those Mexican supplements. Oh, he's no stranger to it. I think uh, a big thing too with Izzy at 205 against other people is just the grappling becomes so much more important and so much more of a threat mm-hmm. just yeah. because of the strength and the just the sheer size of everybody. And you're just bound to run into somebody who can take you down and just stay on top of you and grind out a decision or maybe finish you, you know? Um, I think that would be pretty cool if the scenario that Jamie mapped out actually occurs. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know that John Jones actually wants it, to be honest with you. I think he's he's talking a lot because it like keeps his name in the press, but yeah. I feel like this fight could have happened already. Yeah, it could have, but I'm I'm just really curious to see how John Jones looks at heavyweight because uh you know, listening yeah. to Fighter and the Kid, um and like below the belt hearing Brennan Schraub talk about when he trained down at Jackson's and uh, seeing John Jones whoop every heavyweight, like, you know, with like, you know, with ease, I, I'm curious to see what it actually looks like when he, he goes into the ring and has a real fight with some of these heavyweights that aren't his training partners, you know? Yeah. I kind of feel like when Brendan Schaub was training with them too, that that was a different Jones. Like that was a very aggressive Jones. That was you know what I mean? P-E-D like a very D Jones, <laughs> a very freaking they That was a brutal time in that era. Like he just, like destroyed people <laughs> yeah and you know lately it's been a lot closer and i mean you could account that to you saw you could account it to you know maybe just being drained from, find me you know, fighting, you fi- know? find me somebody who thinks john jones beat dominic reyes i've yet to meet them 
Yeah, John Jones. Happened. Well, I've never met John Jones. Well, meet the three judges that scored it too. <laughs> oh man, it makes me do. That. I wonder if those were the same judges that judged uh, Holloway Volkanovski too. I don't think so because uh, no. that was it, in Australia, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Melbourne. No. Oh, so so judges don't travel. It's it's more of a commission thing because I see yeah. names getting repeated. I think it depends on the the country because like when they go yeah. to because when, when they go to like China where there's like no commission, they have to fly out. So I think it just depends. For sure. But um, I, I think John Jones definitely beats people at heavyweight. For sure. Yeah. If you're planning on like, sticking around. Like who? Chris Dacus, Walt Harris. I mean Blagoy Ivanov. He's not he's not beating us a real gun. Oh, Derek Lewis. You're talking about the Black Beast? Yeah, no, no, I mean I think he would be competitive against Stipe, honestly. Yes. Stipe is way too slow for him. Like that, when I watch Stipe fight, I get so nervous because he's so slow. It scares me. He's got a little, like, fucking fitness model Stipe in the last DC fight. He was all trimmed down with a six pack and shit. He looked mm-hmm. a little bit quicker. Um, I don't think that Jones or Stipe go through Nganu at this point. No, I think Nganu. No. He his striking is so just like ridiculous and unorthodox yeah. and just like freaking world star hips hip hop type fucking striking that he just touches you and you go to sleep yeah yeah it's that full i did if stipe beats him again like you you can't deny stipe at that point you know what i mean like it's like it'd be even more like damn i don't know if jones could beat this guy i'd retire i I want i want Ngannou to win because i i mean i love stipe but i think stipe's done enough i want to fight too often either what's that Stipe doesn't fight as often either. Like he used to be a lot more active. Oh, not even like he is lately. He's just been fighting like once a year and it's really kind of held back. Like, you know, like look how long it took Francis to get a shot again. Well, he's trying to avoid his kid. He's fighting fires and shit. Like he's got crap on the outside. Not even that. He's trying to avoid real head trauma because he's, he's smart and taking the time to actually heal. And he he knows the real dangers of the CTE and the type, the division that he's in, people aren't hitting like as hard anywhere else. So for him to uh, the the fight with Ngannou the first time, he took way too many punches. That probably changed his life because you saw how easy it was for DC to clip him, and he went he went out. But when he took that time off, rematch DC, DC couldn't even uh, you know knock him out again. Yeah, I, I just at some point, I really want to see Derek Lewis versus Stipe. I think that's a crazy fight. And I want to see Derek Lewis versus Nganu with both of them being aggressive. I want to see that one get run back. That might be the next title fight. Because okay. imagine Stipe, um, Stipe loses and they, they they boost up Derek Lewis because Derek Lewis is ranked number two. Yeah, could happen. Because I don't think the UFC is like the biggest fan of Stipe. So I, I feel like he's one of those champions where they lose. They're just going to kind of ride him off just like Tyron Woodley. He, they're yeah. not really want to keep them up like in the upper echelon they're going to give them these like really tough matchups and uh you know cbs at the top now but if, if you put them against um you know blade sorrel volkov dude imagine steve volkov i think volkov will piece him up well and cbs gonna have to wrestle him and that's if he could get in on him yeah so so he's sitting nice at the top of the mountain um which is cool and he, he gets to avoid all these people because imagine how scary it would be to see him fight uh Ro- um, rosenstrick no. that, that's like I'm saying, I'm just saying, would have a very impressive, 
I'm performance just, last time though. Well, because he, he fought Cyril again. I, so check this out. Okay. I don't remember if if we've said this on previous episodes or if I brought it up. I think Alistair Overeem got robbed against Rosenstruck. He was winning that entire yeah, fight. Got <laughs> caught, and there was five seconds left on the clock. He got up. I know his freaking lip was hanging off of his entire face. He could have lasted another 10 seconds or whatnot and then gotten a decision victory in that fight. If he wins that fight, it changes his entire trajectory. And even after losing, he put together like a four-fight win streak. Yeah, but then we saw how it went. Okay, say say he um wins that fight. You know, they, they let the fight go to the bell. He gets a W. He's on a five-fight win streak, and then he runs into Volkov again. I don't think it's any different. Maybe which uh, which sucks. And now, I, which sucks. I'm I'm a huge Overeem fan. I, I I I remember staying up to watch him win the dream title to see him have you know these championships across multiple organizations and for him to you know try to get his way into the UFC and to to see him go out like that. And to even now, what Nate's alluding to, it sucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could definitely see the, the Junior Dos Santos thing for sure. I'm guessing that Overeem and the UFC probably had some kind of a conversation. And Overeem's like, ah, I'm just done anyway. And because, I mean, yeah, he lost the fight, but he won five out of his last six. You know, he it would be cool to see him face lesser competition. I think that Overeem probably went out on his own terms and it had a lot to do with the fact that he said this was his last final run. So the, the UFC it kind of made their decision easier. Yeah, maybe he can go over the, you know, PFL Bellator. I think, I think he's done. I think he's I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, he might be. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think we could see him in, in Bellator because he has that relationship with Scott Coker. Obviously, they, they were working partners when he was in Strike Force. And if you, dude, Overeem Bader, come on, Overeem wins that all day. Oh, dude, I think he beats it out of people in Bellator. So, but, but what's the point? Yeah, he, he, does he really want to go and just win another championship? And and I, I hate saying lesser organization, but you know, when it comes to competition, if you, there's only like I think there's only yeah like one fighter that I think could hold his own against UFC fighters, and that's uh, 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 Douglas Lima. But outside of that. Or maybe Nemkov, but I'm, I'm not sure. I think Nemkov would. Nemkov's a savage. I guess we'll see how he does against Phil Davis, you know? Yeah, he's going to get Russell fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like, what happens if Phil Davis just, you know, lays in praise? You know, you know something crazy as shit about Alistair Overeem is he's very coherent and articulate in the way he speaks. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like they're is that much CTE that can be detected at this point. And that dude has taken some redonkulous damage, like not even the Nganu thing. Like that's like the yeah. worst of it, but his entire career, he's just been taking damage. Dude, he, just, he, he used to fight in pride. Remember Ch- Chuck Liddell knocked him out yeah. in pride. And you're just like pride. Think of how long ago that was. And that this dude's still yeah. chugging along. And no, yeah. it's crazy, man. He's got some miles on him. And for him to be articulate at this point and not to seem like super punk truck or anything is kind of remarkable, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm soaked on it because I don't want to see anybody go out like that. Oh, not at all. Because I remember there was a moment where like, it was just hard to understand Stipe. It sounded like like he was throwing his words. I'm like, why is it so hard to hear this guy? Because normally I I can sift through accents um, and that's not a problem for me. But when I was listening to Stipe, I I was like, this guy's talking so weird. Yep. I'm 
And as for JDS, I'm like down to not see him fight anymore because he just keeps getting knocked out. Did yeah. you see his, uh, was it on Twitter or Instagram? He, he was just like thanking the fans. But then at the end, he kind of left a little hint that he's probably going to go do what people have been suggesting for a long time is go try out boxing. I yeah. think it would go worse. You think so? I think, I think he gets pieced up by boxers. If he's getting knocked out by guys in the UFC. Well, you got to think it's uh, it's a different striking game. Obviously, the gloves are smaller. And there's not when you think about the, the heavyweight division That's boxing, fair. there's not crazy competition. Imagine him sliding in and getting a couple wins. He can use his UFC name, former champ. Yeah, the man needs to make money. And the safest way that he does that, I'm like super down with, especially because he just had a kid too. He's got a family. You know, you'd you'd hate to see someone like really hurt themselves long term. Yeah. And he, he's such a nice guy too. Just everybody yeah. always says he's the nicest guy that they've ever met. So I'm I'm hoping uh, if he does do boxing, he actually just takes some time off and uh, actually prepare for it, and hopefully it's a good go for him. But yeah, I don't know, man. There's a lot of my and it sucks being uh, having been a fan for so long and seeing some of your favorite fighters like go out. Because I remember when he was, you know, first big Fox card against Kane, and that was so cool. And yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and then to to all the way to now, it's like damn, bro. That's just, but, I, even, but even going all the way back when he um, kind of turned heads when, when he knocked out Verdum with that uppercut and sent Verdum <laughs> to strike force. Well, that, dude, he knocked out Derek Lewis like a couple years ago. Yeah. And then remember his spinning heel kick against Mark Hunt when yeah. and he said he never even trained that. He just threw it in the fight. And I was like, damn. But I think uh, I think Kane just took some years off his life. That trilogy was just fucked up, man. No, yeah, the third, yeah, the the second and third fight, man. He just beat, he just beat him. Like even in like the was it the the third fight where um he like slipped and just kind of like hit his forehead on the canvas. Yeah. yeah, the especially the third fight, it got it got a little uncomfortable, honestly. And I'm a, obviously a a Mark like a big Kane Velasquez fan, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't like seeing JDS take that kind of damage. Yeah, yeah, it's. Freaking! Wait, he, he looked like you know the Street Fighter faces, like we're all like poofed up and all that, like just at the end of like you know, it was like he lost, like dude, he he looked like he just went through hell and back. Yeah, oh, oh, it's pretty rough. It is bad, but yeah, yeah. I, so that's the card. I mean, it's a crazy card. I mean, just overall, you look at it, it's it's gonna be a good watch. Regardless of even if you just watch the prelims, you know, like if you don't want to pay into the pay-per-view, just watching the prelims, that's a that's a stacked prelim. And, and even the way the stars align to have three tile fights on, on this card, it, it's going to be hard to top this because if you look at the lay of the land and the rest of the year uh, and who's available and um, uh, who, who could fight again, I, I just don't know how they top this unless yeah. uh, there's some like new star because uh Maybe we, we see Chandler rise above and, you know, make the lightweight division like super exciting again. Khabib comes back. Yep. Uh, who knows? Because even like what, what's been announced, because um, there's been so many things announced since the last time we talked, but like uh, yeah. she- she- Shevchenko's coming back against Andraj, which I don't think is going to be that competitive. Um, uh, she's going to whoop her ass. Yeah. And, and it's looking like uh, Connor versus Dustin three is going to have, yeah. like they're hinting towards a Donner's 
Connor's saying like, oh, I'm going to check the leg kicks this time. Like being funny on Instagram or whatever. So stupid. Uh, He's going to get wrecked. Dude, I'm so not down for it either. Like, I, I mean, it sounds like that's what Dustin wants. And yeah. I think Dustin feels like he's just going to kind of roll through him again and make a shit ton of money, which is cool. Like, I'm down to see him make a ton of money. But for the sake of the division, it just doesn't make sense to me to run it back like that. I think you have to put Connor against a guy like uh, RDA. Put him against an RDA or someone like that. Have him win a couple times, and then you're fighting for a title potentially. And then I think you got to give Charles Oliveira the shot against Dustin Poirier for the title. No. But I don't. It's I, weird. And then you got Gaethje and Chandler waiting around. Like it's kind of, it's a weird move. I don't like it that much, man. I mean, I'm gonna watch it for sure because it's just they match up in a cool way. But I don't like what it does for the division, especially with freaking Khabib holding it up too. Yeah. I feel like Oliveira could have fixed this whole thing, but he didn't want to take that short notice fight against uh, Chandler. And th- I feel like the UFC is just kind of like uh, he's on their bad side because you think about it. If if Chandler Oliveira fought, we could have had a clear contender versus like and we wouldn't have had to worry about Poirier McGregor. Cool. Let them do their trilogy. Uh, we don't have to worry about them. And, and if Chandler would have fought. Oliveira, winner of that could have been like okay they could have had an, an impressive performance could be could have been impressed and they've already you know been in talks of doing another lightweight title fight could be could have came back for this 30 and 0 fight and we would have been chugging along but Oliveira, sure. Oliveira wasn't wasn't being a, a real fighter he was just you know being scared yeah. and, and i get it because there's a lot at stake because this could be it for him this could be his only shot at the title because he, yeah. he's, he's been in the UFC a long time, obviously fighting two different divisions, and obviously he's, he's putting everything together now, but uh, not everybody gets to stay at the top forever, so maybe he's just trying to play this smart in his book, which I, I totally get it, but uh, th- this could have easily been solved. Yeah, so. I and we touched on it before. I kind of, I blame Khabib and Dana. I, in fact, I don't even blame yeah. Khabib. I blame Dana White for, for holding it up like this because Justin Poirier... He should be the champ right now, 100%. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, if if Dustin and Connor happens again and it's not for the title, I guess that would make more sense than doing it for the title. But either way, any way you slice it in that scenario, it's like kind of there's some there's a little bit of fuckery, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even see that doing is the same amount of numbers, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people are going to just assume Dustin's going to win, you know? I don't, just, I don't see what kind of adjustments and changes you could make to that. You know, I mean, he did clip, you know, Dustin, even Dustin admitted to that, but you yeah. know, he already, he, he kind of had a good game plan to begin with. And I don't see that game plan really changing. I don't even think he even used the full game plan against Connor. I think he was maybe surprised by how quickly he beat him. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting fight, especially with, uh, Evidently, Connor sold all of his shares to Proper Twelve. I saw that, like he got bought out mm-hmm. by by some alcohol distributor or something. So yeah. that would indicate to me that he's gonna go just fucking all in on MMA again. But depending on when this Poirier fight takes place, who knows if that's even enough time to recover from being knocked out like that? You know. So Too I don't, late, I don't like it that much. Okay. Even if he okay, say he he closes out this trilogy, beats Dustin, and you look at the rest of the light heavyweight division, 
I, I don't see him being able to get to the top with his skill set now because I feel like everybody above him or even around him is just way more advanced skill wise, like way more rounded versus him. He's like, you know, predominantly a striker. Yeah, he can, uh, you know, has decent grappling, not a whole lot of jujitsu, but I just don't see him being tough competition for anybody else. I think I think it would depend entirely on who he fights like Gaethje for existence, for existence, for example, if Dustin Poirier's leg kicks did that to Connor, imagine what Gaethje's leg kicks would do. Mm-hmm. And with the threat of wrestling and his power and everything like that, I think, I think Gaethje would kind of work McGregor real bad yeah. in that regard. He's but, not, he's not a threat to anybody up there. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's highly skilled, but I think he's, he's kind of fallen into uh, being realistic. I think he's probably like a top 10 to top 15 lightweight right now. Because back in the day, obviously, um, he was uh, pretty popular. And I just feel like he it was just good timing on his part. But just now, everybody's just way more advanced. And I just yeah. don't think he could hang with those guys, if I'm just being completely honest. We'll see. Um, I mean, I I have faith in him that he's going to be able to learn from this and adapt. Like, historically, I mean, we, we didn't get a chance to see it with Khabib. But historically, he comes back and learns from losses. And comes back a better fighter, but wait, wait, he's rich as fuck, man. Pause. I don't know what what could be motivated at this point. I think he lost the rematch against Diaz. I think Diaz got screwed out of a decision. <laughs> I don't know. Am I crazy? Crazy with that one. So I watched that fight once. Okay. And I felt the same way. I thought I thought Diaz got screwed out of a de- out of a decision as well. Watch it again. But- I would have to watch it again to see my thoughts on it. What do you think, Nate? How'd you feel about that rematch? Yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely uh, accommodated to it, you know? Like, he really did change his game plan and showed that he was, you know, he focused on his cardio, wasn't trying to take him out. But, uh, you know, I didn't really mind the decision myself. Wow, we got a Conor McGregor shill. How much are they paying you? Oh, God. How much are they paying you? She was paying me. I'll Dude, tell you, I'll, I'll be on Mac. I'll be on Mac Life right now, boy. Bro, I just want to see man bun Conor McGregor just spin kicking people like he was against Dennis Seaver and taking that kind of approach. That shit was badass. Yeah, like I think if he would have kept, like, let's say he didn't go on his grand adventures outside of the Alvarez fight. Let's say if he would have just kept chugging along MMA, I think he would we would see a far different and far superior Conor McGregor at this yeah. point. And dude, imagine what Pacquiao would have done to him. Would have been yeah. nasty. Yeah, Pacquiao would, would have just beaten the piss out of him. But isn't it funny? As soon as he lost, Pacquiao was like, yeah, we're no longer interested. <laughs> just so <laughs> yeah. fast. Yeah, which, is, which is weird because I think regardless of the loss in MMA, that fight would still do numbers. But yeah. Well, the, the, I think since he lost, people would paint that narrative like, oh, Pacquiao just beat a guy who lost in MMA. Like, it wouldn't look as sweet if he was coming off some impressive knockout over Dustin Poirier. Yeah. But we, we got some good news. Brunson versus Holland on that card. Our boy, Gregor Gillespie, got a fight. <laughs> he did too. 
This is the first time hearing of it. He's fighting Brad Riddell, who's fighting out of city oh, kickboxing. Man. So this is going to be a really fun, lightweight fight. Obviously, that's towards the end of the month. But um, I, I just wanted to bring that up because we were talking about Gregor uh, you know, a couple of podcasts ago. And we've been waiting for his return. So I'm hyped to see him come back. Yeah. But this is yeah. going to be a crazy fight because you know, obviously Gregor, amazing wrestler, but he's going up against a pretty, pretty talented striker. Yeah, no, that's a hard ass fight. I love that. Yeah, but I, I'm just happy to see him back because he had he had that one loss and and it happens uh, and it wasn't even to like some random guy. He he lost to Kevin Lee, who, who's a ranked fighter. So I, I'm just curious to see um, you know how he looks because obviously um, now at, at this point now that he has a fight book, I'm assuming that he just took the proper time off to to heal and to probably sharpen his skills. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I I follow him on Instagram and that guy has been training like. a freaking madman the entire time he's he's just like some of the some of his training shit like in terms of his conditioning and carter and cardio it's like borderline psychotic man like it's it's very unique the way he goes about it and i think he's gonna come back just like way hungrier coming off a loss like that yeah and also takes that pressure that you're not undefeated anymore yeah yeah so you kind of you know it's like that monkey off your back you kind of have a little a little more like, okay, I know I, I can't worry about my record. I don't have to worry about it, but I can focus on me just doing my best and just trying not to be in that position again. Definitely. And I'm hoping that he took such a long layoff because he really wanted to focus on getting his yeah. strength up. Mm-hmm. And it's also cool to see that he's on the main card. So the UFC still invested in him, not completely writing him off. And they're also giving him uh, not an easy fight. So giving him somebody uh, who's from a, you know, a, a good gym, who's on a really good um, winning streak, but the guy's on, he's on a, a six fight win streak. So, oh dude, that's a hard fight. They're yeah. giving him like a freaking super hard fight. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's something that I'm really looking forward to. Um. How do you guys feel about Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad? I love that Muhammad stepped up like that. Mm-hmm. And I I think he's got a legit chance at it. I in fact uh, I like Muhammad's chances better than I liked Cosmo's chances. I'm just I, I I think Bilal's a good fighter, but I, I think Edwards is just a step above. So i I think it'll it'll be a good showcase for Leon Edwards, in my opinion. Yeah. We'll see. But I'm super surprised to see Ben Rothwell on that card. Remember Ben Rothwell when he was, you know, pitching people's Adam's apple on this crazy uh, win streak. And then he gets popped. Um, well, actually, he, he lost to uh, Junior DeSantos. But then he also got popped. And uh, he was just never the same. Yeah. I'm looking at the rest of the card right now. It's actually oh, a- you got Dan EJ on there, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find Gavin Tucker, who's on a three fight win streak. Yeah. Good fly or some good fellas. Angela Hill, Ashley Yoder, <laughs> Eric <laughs> Anders. He was Eric Anders getting pushed for a bit too, but he's kind of dropped off. Dude, I love seeing K- Khalil Roundtree whoop that ass. That was a, <laughs> that was a crazy fight. Yeah. No, this is a cool card, man. Yeah, that's a good solid, you know, like a lot of, you know, a few things you don't recognize, but there's some pretty notable ones too, you know, like very, it's very good mix, you know, for a fight card, like a fight night kind of one free. Yeah. 
this UFC event, like every week kind of deal that's been going on is so badass. Like I feel fortunate that I feel fortunate that we were watching MMA like before this era to fully appreciate the fact that fights are happening so frequently and that all the cards are pretty, pretty high quality. Yeah. Just think about uh, obviously back when UFC uh, MMA wasn't as popular. So the, like the, the pool of fighters wasn't big to, to pull from. So yep. they weren't able to provide us with this much content. So uh, yeah, it, it did make uh, like, you know, pay-per-views way more special when they were happening, like, you know, every three months, but uh, yeah, for me, uh, you know, for us being like such avid fans, for us to get it so often, it's cool because you, you, we've seen the progression in skill sets. Like, like you know, these younger kids coming up who are way more advanced than uh, you know some of the legends were back when they were younger. So it's, it's cool to see it develop and grow, and it just continues um, continues to get crazier and crazier. Because if you look at uh, you know the, these newer crop of champions, like you know people like Khabib, people like um, uh, Kamara Usman, it, it's, it's insane. Because if um, you know, people argue that these guys would whoop um, some of these legends, like obviously I think Khabib would beat BJ Penn, um, oh, prime BJ Penn. Yeah. But uh, you know yeah. uh, the current argument um, is Kamara Usman greater than GSP. Who knows? He's, he's on the road to, to, to I, doing it. I think he's really close. I want to see Khabib versus Usman at 170. I, think, I, I love that. I don't fight. know. I, I think Khabib Usman's too big. Yeah, I, I think Khabib beats him. Really? I, I think it's Usman all day. Yeah. It's Usman all day. It's, uh, I, did you see Usman messing around and like he made that video? Of him doing like the practicing uh, foot stops, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and he did like the spinning foot stop <laughs> shake. Is like that's always like what uh, Masvidal's been bringing up. I hate Masvidal now. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. Like he's just like I don't know, weird. Like almost like conflicted with. Like he does more talking than fighting when he was, you know, talking about the redemption and like you know the resurrection and like really co- and. He was doing really well, really taking those fights, and really, and now it's kind of become more of like, what's you know, what's in it for me, kind of. Scenario. I think so. I think a lot of that has to do with his management. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's like you got to fight to be able to make those kind of calls, and you got to fight and win. And what when he's coming off of a loss and then turning down fights left and right, Yuzi's not going to want to play his game because he, he he has nothing really to offer them when it comes to the business because without him the division doesn't suffer he's yeah he's the bmf champ that's not even a real belt but when you look at the rest of the welterweight division they would be completely fine if he never fought again yeah yeah i mean i think at some point he's got to fight leon edwards for sure and obviously people want him to fight colby i think colby just mauls him beats his ass Mm -hmm. but Edwards versus Madsval could be kind of interesting. I don't know. Like, yeah. it, it'd be fun to see, but I, I just want to see what's really going to happen because uh, he keeps um, Madsval keeps tweeting out, "Oh, uh, you know, fight booked for uh, late July," and then nope, we fight booked for September. And it's just like, what? Is it? Like he's you know teasing all this stuff, but it's like, come on, like just take it serious. Yeah. Like you're like. I, some people can do this shtick, like, you know, Colby, uh, you know, he was 
able to do his whole uh, make the you know division great again thing his whole maga thing which is fine it, it got him to where he is now when it comes to uh his uh, uh popularity and you know a lot more people care about him now since he started doing that than before and um it, it worked out for him but when it comes to like masvidal i feel like uh, he's he's doing it so late in his career, and, and we knew him as this guy who was just like a down fighter. Like, cool, he, he'll take you know uh, any fight anywhere. This is why yeah. we respect him. He came from the streets, fought with uh, you know Kimbo and all them. But then now he's grown into like this guy who uh, got rich because he took some some big fights, and now he seems like he's just like way more like money hungry and not as down as he used to be, which is just pretty crappy to see because it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's working well for him. Because when I see him, um, you know, hanging out with Jake Paul posting pictures in that same Versace robe. It's like, okay, that seems kind of corny. It doesn't seem like this is like, you know, really him. Yeah. I, th- I think it's absolutely a money thing. And it's also got to be just years and years and years of him fighting everybody and anybody. Like you said, he was just super down, right? Like he's done it. He's been fighting since what? Probably like 06, 07, mm-hmm. something like that. And maybe he's just at a point now where if he's going to fight, it needs to be the most amount of money possible. And I can't help but think that uh, Abe Kawa or whoever his manager is, can't pronounce his name, has to be playing a role in that, 100%. Yeah. I, you even see that guy like tweet at people like in an aggressive manner, like talking shit. Dude, and he tweeted like, at me once. Did he? Dude, yeah, I, I uh, tell us about that. What'd you say? I, I, uh, t- I argued that Khabib was the goat instead of John Jones, and oh, I gave, yeah. and I gave my reasoning for it. Is right after Khabib beat Gaethje, and we didn't, we didn't get into like a fat ass argument or anything like that. But he responded to me with his reasoning as to why Jones was the goat, and it was based off of the amount of title defenses and yada 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 yada. The same argument that everyone else has. Um, I I think Khabib's more of a goat than Jones. Jones is a cheater. He, he, he <laughs> cut him off the list. Yeah, yeah. Khabib, GSP, Kamara Usman, is he? So one last thing about Masvidal. Okay. All the outside shit, notwithstanding, I love watching that guy fight. I mean the the Usman fight. Obviously, Usman slowed the fight down and was able to control him and stuff like that. And it, you know, wasn't the most explosive fight you ever saw. Other than that, all of his fights have been so exciting. It's been very fun to watch. And yeah, I'm I'm absolutely a fan still. But I agree with Jamie in the fact that there's been a lot of cornball type shit going on outside of the fighting. Yeah, just bring it back a couple notches. Yeah. I mean, his mezcal sucks. Yeah, his, I, worst, his alcohol is the worst dog shit thing you can ever drink. Like I, like we had like true alcoholics try it out, and they fucking. Yeah, I'm good on that, man. Hey, okay, so here's a question: most unlikable fighter in the UFC currently? Um, I'm gonna start Alexander Hernandez. Okay, the great. It's fucking unlikable, dude. I've. I've had battles against food poisoning that I've liked more than him. Yeah. Ah, man, that's a tough one to follow up. I mean, normally I don't want to have the energy of like being a fucking player hater or whatever, Mm -hmm. but can't stand that guy. 
there's some people who have these personalities that they're just instantly unlikable, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess I never really, I think if I don't like someone, I just don't really pay attention to them and stuff. It's like kind of like, you know, I kind of think Kobe's very unlikable. I kind of think his sure. stick's a little too much, especially what? for, you know, most of the time you hear people saying how much of an act it is. I think it's just kind of like, I'd rather just people be, be real and just be who they are. Because actually it's funny because, you know, talk about Masvidal, he, he's actually a pretty big MAGA supporter himself. You know, they try to like come to turn. I think that's an act. Nah, I think he actually does. Because, I mean, he, there's a lot of Cubans out there, especially in Florida, that really do support Trump. I, th- I think he's a, a Cuban who just really beefs communism just because, like, his family's from there and stuff like that. And yeah. Kind of experience firsthand. But, yeah, no, he's been putting the – waving that MAGA flag pretty pretty hard the past few months. I think it was an act. Nah, honestly, I think he actually does really like Trump. Well, which is whatever. I'm, well, I mean, it's fine. Like, honestly, I don't care. Like, my dad's fucking Republican. Like, I know a lot of fucking Republicans. Some of my coworkers are Republicans, and yeah. that, that's the whole thing. It's become this part of contention where, yeah, like people give a shit what other people's politics are. But it's kind of like the thing you never talk about religion. You never talk about politics. You know, like in the workplace, you don't talk about that kind of shit because all it does is create friction. And True. now, you know, all people do is debate about that shit. Yeah. So I, I honestly don't give two shits if he likes them or not, you know. Twenty twenty four. That, that shit. Yeah. That shit's ultra punishing, <laughs> man. I wasn't even trying to make it po- make it political, but um, I know your agenda, Jeff. I, I see the flag in the background, <laughs> the red, the white, alkaline trio, bro. Get with it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The the people will see it um, in post, but uh, but guys, this has been insane. I'm happy. And like I always say, this is these are some of my favorite podcasts. Love sitting here and talking with you guys. Um, before we sign off, is there anything you guys want to say? Shout out, you want to plug? I just want to say, I hope Taylor Swift is having a great day. T Swift, dang, just add her, add her on Twitter. Shoot your shot. No. <laughs> oh my God! Imagine. Uh, just response who the fuck are you imagine she's like i'm flying to yuma right now daddy hey <laughs> like, hold on i gotta get a babysitter oh man. I'd, I'd take my kids to meet her man they're big t uh, okay. Like, okay like well, girls hey, i have the hey. best surprise ever hey i'd fly, I'd fly I... around just to get autographs and that'd be yeah. a... i'll be and with I... patrick swayze and then I could I could say that I snubbed T Swift. That'd be the sickest fucking story ever. Snubbed. Yeah, I, I don't get it. You should write a song I... about me. Damn. Wait, Nate, you don't have any shout outs? You said no. I mean, I work. I mean, I just do. That. I don't got any outgoing projects or anything. I mean, I, I dwindle on my own things, but not anything I share. All right. Well, this has been amazing. I'm looking forward to Saturday UFC 259 Blahovich versus Adesanya for the UFC light heavyweight title. It's going to be insane. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Nate and Jeff this has been fun and we'll be back soon. Fuck yeah. See ya. <laughs>